2: Hey, kids, uh, welcome to a Friday edition of this show, which is just a game. I am me and you are you, and I'm really glad you could be here. Um, we got a packed one for you. Uh, all kinds of friends on the program, all kinds of things to talk about. Uh, Eric DeHatchuck in a little while from The Athletic. Uh, obviously, we are in the uh, early stages of round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, by the way, uh, we are broadcasting live from Treaty 7 Territory, and this is an inclusive program, so everybody is welcome, of course. I want to make sure we stress that. Uh, do, we have to announce this, and, and we'll get to it with, uh, with our first guest in just a moment, but uh, a surprise pop-up sale tomorrow, 40% off everything, everything at Ski Cellar Snowboard. So it's a Saturday from, 1, or from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., one day only. One day, to just tomorrow. So if you need anything from skisellersnowboard dot com, all three locations, surprise spring pop up sale. Uh- Surprise, I suppose, for some on Monday as uh, Brad Trilliving says, you know what, I, I'm going to go somewhere else. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. Uh, so the flames in the throes of a general manager search. Not much to update on that. Um, do want to throw the name of Brad Pascal in there. I know that uh, on Wednesday, rather impassioned plea for Craig Conroy, who's been uh, tootling and, and working under, uh, you know, some decent hockey people for a long time now. Deserves that opportunity. But as I said, the question shouldn't be is Craig good enough for the flames it's or the good enough for the flames good enough for craig um there's some work to be done there and i'm sure eric DeHatchuk and i will get in there i want to throw brad Pascal's name in there as well the other assistant general manager who works uh, primarily with the american hockey league affiliates over the last couple of years uh, brad's also a qualified hockey guy and i would suspect he's going to get an opportunity should get an opportunity to interview for that job still have not heard from daryl sutter yet um it's a little on the odd side i suppose that the head coach of the team doesn't you know uh 10 days later, hasn't spoken to the media. Uh, but considering what's going on and considering Don Maloney's comments that everything's going to be reevaluated, I, I suppose perhaps they want to wait till they have some clarity on his role moving forward. Although there seems to be an overwhelming majority uh, in the media side uh, that believe that uh, Daryl is staying. That remains to be seen. Some news just breaking uh, for the Calgary Flames, more importantly for their American Hockey League affiliate. Uh, And congratulations, Dustin Wolf has been named the American Hockey League MVP for the uh, season. Um, So what else can you say about the kid? Last four years, goalie of the year in the Western League, goalie of the year in the Western Western League, League, goalie of the year in the American Hockey League, goalie of the year in the American Hockey League, and now MVP. Uh, and we can we can get into this. We can debate this. There are those who believe that that because there are position awards, you know, for the goalies, position awards for pitchers, that sometimes pitchers goalies don't necessarily uh, get the opportunity, shouldn't get the opportunity to be considered in the most valuable player category. I I, I don't believe that. Um, now, it would be irresponsible of me to say that uh, he, you know, it was hands down his, nobody else even close because I did not watch the American Hockey League that close. I know how good that kid is. I know exactly how good that kid is. We know how good that kid is. Uh, but anyway, uh, just further affirmation of the season that the uh, Wranglers had in their first year here in Calgary. Further affirmation about this season that Dustin Wolf just seems to continue. If you go all the way back to his debut during the, uh, the shortened COVID season where the American Hockey League played for no playoffs and Destin Wolf started and he got his doors blown off in his first start. Just was, I think it was four goals in the first seven shots by the Toronto Marlies. If you take that out of the equation... This kid has just been rock solid from the start. And he was. He was in his next start. He was amazing um, and has never looked back. So something positive on the horizon for the local hockey heroes. Uh, As mentioned, day three or whatever of the Stanley Cup playoffs. uh, What do we know? We know there's a lot of parity. We know that home teams started to win uh, last night and the night before. Uh, We only have two series that uh, are heading back to an alternate destination with one team leading uh, two games to none. In one case, and that's Carolina over the Islanders, You can, I think if you're the Islanders, you feel better going home. You probably can scratch back in this. You lost an overtime game on the road. Um, You know, you haven't played your best hockey. At least that's the things you have to tell yourself. What I'm very curious is what you do if you're Lindy Ruff and the New Jersey Devils. Because your boys were playing against men in the first two games. Uh, They had their doors blown off yet again last night, 5-1 by the Rangers. The Rangers up two games to none going back to Madison Square Garden. I would say this, and, and it's too often too easy in this position to always try, uh, you know, trot out the, the, the you know the old tropes and the old you know uh, sayings, all those sort of things. But th- there is one or two in sport that matter. Sometimes you need to learn how to lose, and sometimes you need to to get there and figure what it's all about. The Jersey Devils have not been in the playoffs for a long time. This is a young team. Yep. Great regular season, outstanding, great, absolutely. The Rangers, you know, had been to the playoffs last year, had a little bit of a run, got a little bit of a taste, certainly addressed some things as they felt were needs with Tarasenko and Kane and others down the stretch. Um, But this is... The one series that one team definitely looks dominant, and that is the Rangers. Uh, Thank God, thank God, thank God. The country can sleep well tonight. Uh, The Toronto Maple Leafs evening the series with the Tampa Bay Lightning Uh, 7-2. 1-1 is that one. Um, Up and down, up and down. um, You know, feisty, all of those sort of things. Anything else? Uh, Winnipeg. Uh, uh, I was really hoping Winnipeg. Liked their game one. Uh, Vegas bouncing back, Colorado bouncing back. Tonight, uh, Carolina can take a stranglehold against the Islanders. Boston and Florida, that series tied at a game apiece. The Panthers seem to have the kryptonite for the Bruins. Two wins during the regular season, a win here in the postseason against a team that's lost four times, something like that, 12, I think, uh, in regulation. Dallas and Minnesota tied at a game peace. And, of course, uh, for our friends up north, uh, Edmonton and Los Angeles tied at a game apiece. Um, some news elsewhere. I just wanted to make mention of the Raptors today firing Nick Nurse. Firing Nick Nurse. Um, not sure that I ever felt like that was the ending to this story. Now, we all know that uh, lots of rumors towards the end of the year that Nick wanted to to leave, maybe go to Houston or, or some other place and and Toronto was already lined up to to, um, to you know to look at boston 's coach that, that that you know got suspended for a year or didn't coach anyway in the last year. So there was already that story, but I thought this would be kind of like the tree living story. Well, we're just going to go our separate ways. Not the case. Masai Ujiri firing the guy that led the team to their championship in 2019. Interesting to see where that organization goes. And speaking of organizations on the go, how about the old Midnight Express by Oakland last yesterday? Uh, middle of the night, they secure uh, property in Vegas. Uh, the Oakland A's are moving to Vegas If you're keeping track, that's now the Golden Knights, the Raiders, the A's, and an F1 um, race. And F1 might be the biggest sport of all three, actually, in the world right now. NFL maybe, but F1's huge. So Vegas, and and it's funny, people I know going on, ooh, I don't know, can you take a sport team to Vegas? Yes, we've proven there's 2 million people, 2 million people, Live in Vegas. Don't get me started on the tourists. Two million people. Should those two million people not have a really crappy baseball team to cheer for? Of course they should. And they get one. They get the A's. Somebody, you kind of got to wonder what second prize was. But the Oakland A's moving to Vegas. It'll be a nice facility. It'll be supported. And I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest the next time that the NBA expands, we're going to see an NBA team in Vegas. I think that's inevitable too. So, uh, very curious how about, in my, in my lifetime, how gambling has gone from this vice, this thing that's kept Pete Rose out of the Hall of Fame, that actually had three NFL players suspended today for gambling, and yet it's single-handedly propping up professional sports as we know it. Uh, and maybe, I don't know, have you, have you seen any gambling ads on TV, kids? Sometimes. Um, it's, and, and here's Vegas. Like Vegas, the mob town, Vegas, the casino town, Vegas, all of these things. Well, it'll never host. It has a hard time hosting, you know, minor sports. The Golden Knights have been a runaway hit. The Raiders work. Again, I have no doubt that the A's will play in front of far more people and fewer possums in Vegas than they are currently in Oakland. There's a joke in there somewhere. We are broadcasting live from the Oodle Noodle Studio, local, loved, and delicious since opening their first store back in 2005. Oodle Noodle has been all flavor and just the right amount of weird, which, again, we can relate to. Two locations, 1244 17th Avenue Southwest, 105 Main Street North in Airdrie, pickup and delivery. I love this because right out of the gate, I get to talk about... One of my favorite causes with one of my favorite people uh, as we bring in our first guest brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard. Spring pop-up sale tomorrow, 40% off at everything, everything from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. all three locations, McLeod Trail by Chinook Center, 17th Avenue Southwest just off of 14th Street, Bowridge Road Northwest by McDonald's at the bottom of the hill from Windsport. Very pleased to have you join us. A man who uh, needs a, well, I'm going to give him an introduction. Um, he has just freshly returned from Canada's ultimate challenge, uh, where he was uh, not successful. But he was on it. He was on it. Uh, he uh, is a former member of our national Paris Sledge hockey team. Uh, we'll get to the name part again. Um, but more importantly than that, he's a stand-up guy for uh, KidSport as an ambassador in the Calgary Flames Sports Bank, um, and he's also a big mentor and coach, and, uh, and among his uh, mentees and the people that he works with, Ryan Strasnitsky, as we uh, just passed the five-year anniversary of the tragedy in Humboldt, uh, very pleased that uh, four-time Brian Burke uh, celebrity Annie Oakley winner, uh, Chris Sederstrand can, can join us. Four, four times? four times now, four yeah. times okay thanks for having me rob uh, no so, problem <laughs> i just want to point out that i one, i beat him that year <clears throat> so there is that you haven't beat me yet I, or were you not there
3: i wasn't there oh. oh no that well all right fair enough i'll give i'll give one to you
2: thank you um all right let's start off with the the big stuff for kids sport okay you were where today doing what
3: yeah we were just bringing some awareness to the the flames uh sport bank okay. so i was out in okotoks at the ford uh dealership there and the Volkswagen dealership and right. just yeah trying to bring as much awareness as we can showing people where these drop off points are with uh Wood Automotive Group um you know obviously I'm a big you know supporter of KidSport yep. and the and the Flames Sport Bank and I mean they both do absolutely amazing things and and I mean as as valuable as KidSport is the, mm-hmm. the Sports Bank is just as valuable because yep. they they really help cover that gap for for a lot of these kids in need.
2: So as we speak right now if you're listening to us or watching us live on the stream, uh, Wim, uh Team Canada Olympic champion uh Rebecca Johnson, who I believe is also a coach with the Calgary Flames. Yes. And members of the uh MRU Cougars National Championship Women's Hockey Team and Hockey Calgary, they're at advantage Ford. So you can go down and say hi to them, get pictures right now. Uh at Big 4 Motors uh, at, uh, in a, at 1.30, the bottom of the hour. Or if you're listening to this on a podcast, it's already happened. Please don't go there. Looking for uh, Stampede receiver Colton Hunchak and members of the Outriders. They're going to be a big four. And finishing it off, uh, 2.30 this afternoon, out at Village Honda. We love the people out at Village Honda. And so does Ski Cross Olympic champion Brady Lehman. And former NLL Calgary Roughnecks star Jeff snide that's what it says here and bob snyder i know bob and the elevate lacrosse team how is jeff snyder a former star well i guess he played there i don't know uh but anyway uh the wood auto group always a great place to drop off gently used equipment um did was there much there was there inventory in okotoks because you were in two locations had people drop things off
3: yeah there was definitely inventory there in in the big containers that they had and, mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's something i think uh yeah i implore people that anybody with that gently used equipment um you know absolutely utilize those facilities right. and and get them in there i mean it's it's such a huge huge thing for kids w-
2: what do we need well um skates are always skates are always huge uh Believe it or not, gently used cleats and uh, basketball shoes are also Absolutely. unnecessary. Uh, we can use those. But th- this is where uh, Chris and I learned over time. You don't need my stuff. We need kids, we we need, need kids we need stuff, need right? Yeah, a little stuff. big stuff every once in a while mixed in. But really, it's those smaller sizes of equipment and, and all across the spectrum. I mean, I was in there yesterday and we've got badminton rackets and we've got lacrosse and we've got softball and, and you know, and hardball and, ba- and basketball and soccer. The needs go right across the sports spectrum.
3: Oh, they're yeah. It's everything, anything you know. Kids, baseball bats, right? Yeah. I mean, and, you know, having a having a young kid myself, I mean, that's something that we absolutely do because I, I mean, I know a lot of people that just have their you know your kids grow to a set, set of cleats in yep. six months, and I mean, they're not even broke in half the time, and they end up sitting away in a garage somewhere and then getting chucked out or whatever the case is, right? right. And, and so, yeah, you know, just knowing that that's out there and the awareness for it, um, you know, is a, is a huge thing.
2: As well, um, you know, we we mentioned that this is for the Calgary Flame Sports Bank, but also tied in with Kidsport Calgary, and uh, Kidsport Calgary uh, continues biggest year ever, I believe, last year, and, and already the numbers we're seeing uh, early in this year. We're, we're on track to another record year, um, which is good, Uh, But it also points to need. There remains a need in this community for assistance to allow kids to play sport.
3: Oh, uh, there's, there's a huge need for that. Right. I mean, obviously we're, we're seeing that with the demand, you know, coming in for kids sport and, and with the sport bank. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, for anybody that can get behind any of the kids Mm -hmm. sport, um, you know, whether it's getting to any of the charity events that they do, we have the uh, champion celebrity bash coming up here in May. Um, you know any of the bottle drives they do or just you know as simple as making a donation to them i mean this is all all funds that you know stay directly in our community yep and you know help kids get active in sport and
2: and stay and stay active in sport
3: absolutely and and you get them learning all those other life lessons as well which is such a massive benefit
2: well and and i mean i don't know who we're convincing anymore because i think You know, the people listening to this podcast would agree, but there needs to be a wider conversation about the mental health crisis that we're living in, and there needs to be a a broader conversation about the direct line between being active, being involved in sport and mental wellness and mental health. Uh, We know that there's a direct connection there, and, and we need to ensure that there's a safety net in place so that kids just don't get left behind.
3: Oh, hundred percent. I mean, even just speaking from my story and, and, you know, what sport did for me after my accident, yep. um, you know, I, the benefits of it, you just, you almost can't put words to, right. right. And especially kids coming out of this post COVID era where they were left, you know, without a lot of activities, um, I mean, they gain so much from sport, right? right. It's, it's the mentorship that they get. It's the friendships that they make, the camaraderie, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And and that, aids and that mental health support for these kids it gives them avenues to go out there and right. and people to talk to did
2: you get a mr olympia set for christmas or something you look a little more jacked <laughs> than the last time i saw you huh? no i uh, you didn't you yeah, okay no, you didn't no, get a weight I, work, workout bench or a weight I, bench I or got something some of those little pink ones is that what you got yeah, well i don't all know all you look i'm a little worried now because you, it looks like you're starting to take things serious <laughs> <laughs> um where do you want well let's start here uh because i mentioned it Canada's ultimate challenge. You were on Team Red. Yes. Uh, led by Donovan Bailey and you finished uh, we finished 5th. 5th. Out of how many? Out of 6. <laughs> <Okay. clears throat> Not just proving a point you weren't dead last. No, we
3: weren't dead uh, last. That's
2: <laughs> okay. Tell us give us a little nut, uh, thumbnail sketch of Canada's ultimate challenge. What 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 was it? What was it pitched to you and what was it when you were done with it?
3: So it uh, actually, it was originally pitched to me to be a coach on the show. Okay. And then just as it sort of went through the production piece, uh, you know, they decided it was good for me to be a competitor. Mm-hmm. for the first season and then potentially come back as a coach for the next season so okay it was uh you know it's it's a very very cool show though because they basically you know it's like American Ninja Warrior meets Amazing Race okay and we essentially travel across Canada and go to all these you know iconic Canadian landmarks and yep. they turn these things just into some absolutely crazy obstacle courses and really put people through through their paces out there and they're all just very unique challenges you don't get any intro to them you basically show up and you know you get a little five minute panic planning plan before you head out there and yeah it was it was a very cool thing i made some very cool relationships you know from the show
2: so how does one find themselves on the radar for this show how did you get involved
3: I was reached out to somebody from Insight Productions had reached out to me. Then that's the the group that does okay. all of that. Yeah. Um, I think for a lo- the vast majority of everyone there, it was all, uh, I mean, application-wise, right? Like it's the same thing as applying for Amazing Race or Big Brother or mm-hmm. any of those. Yeah, you throw in an application and they sort of have a vetting process and then you go through. And um, yeah, it made for some interesting it's been trusting people on the show. So. Right.
2: Well, yeah. So, so there's there's a, a picture of you and some of your teammates on Team Red. So what was your... T- tell, your leader was Donovan Bailey, but tell me about the rest of your team. How... Who were they? How were they found? How did they end up together with you?
3: Yeah, I mean, they basically... They all, had all applied to be on the show, and when they... uh These are just random people? Just random people. So we had... But uh, you
2: were recruited
3: it was yeah it was a, were there a other people of, on other teams that were recruited i don't believe so i think everyone sort of applied like okay. it was just a little bit of a different avenue
2: so once yet. again you're an anomaly i'm an anomaly okay there we go Got
3: one le- leg anomaly i
2: there didn't say that <laughs> i said you were an anomaly <laughs>
3: um yeah no we had uh, Dilpreet. she was a little east indian girl on okay. our team and she was absolutely amazing okay. um just she's a personal trainer just mm-hmm. uh, yeah amazing compete uh level uh right. we had had lori on our team who uh was from regina and i mean came out there and gave it her all and then france uh is a personal trainer from uh toronto okay so very diverse group that we had um very di- three
2: personal trainers how is it diverse well
3: lori wasn't a personal lori's not a personal trainer no you are well, and Franz is and <laughs> the, right they're personal trainers in gyms though I don't, I, I don't say I, I do that.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, but okay. It, but you're, uh, you're connected anyway. I'm connected. Okay. But, uh, so how is it diverse? Like, background-wise? Just, just like, background-wise. shouldn't there have been a fat guy? Like, shouldn't I have been on that team? Did you, to... did you plot? No, I didn't know. <laughs> Nobody asked me. But it just seems like you should put, a, like, an old fat guy on there that, you know, at the worst possible time, his number comes up and it's he's got to do something. Right. <laughs>
3: It would make for good TV. It would make that for good was, TV. Uh, that was one of those things. It made for good TV with my leg in uh, one of the episodes. That y- uh,
2: <laughs> Yes, it did. Um, <laughs> did you not offer, or was that one not one of the critiques of the, the canoeing or the paddling that you should have given your leg to uh, one of your teammates to take?
3: I, that, that happened. Or we sorry. Were not, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah we, were, we were in doing the kayak challenge. And That's we right. we ended up having our kayak malfunction. And it just, things went sideways. And then we capsized and you know, we're sitting there and in, you know, relatively deep lake water and I got to get back in the kayak, which anybody that's kayak knows that that's not the easiest thing in the world, especially doing it with two people. Right. And so Skylar jumps back in and I just look at him, like, like, you got to take my leg. I'm like, we're screwed. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there, like I have basically one choice is to take this off and hope that he grabs it. Cause I mean, I got 140 grand strapped to my body and we,
2: we should yes let's <laughs> let's make sure everybody understands here so you have a prosthetic yes uh from knee down No, oh, i'm uh above the above knee. Above knee. knee. thank yeah. you okay so you're in deep lake water yes your partner is back in the kayak yeah we get him back in the kayak okay you're hanging onto the kayak yeah i'm just hanging on okay. the outside and now you're going to disconnect your prosthetic leg and hand it to him yes okay
3: yeah so, how'd that go over it went surprisingly well. Like, it was, uh, you know, said it made for great TV because everything was just, you know, in the heat of the moment. Yeah. And I just pull it off, hand it to him. He puts it in. I jump in the kayak, and we started, you know, pseudo-making, pseudo-making our way back because our kayak just only turned right. So that didn't, uh, <laughs> it, it, we were, it was, it was a long process trying to get back when it, the thing completely failed. Like, the rudder ended up getting stuck. Okay. And we Couldn't you know it was actually breaking throughout the whole course of that challenge, and Skyler was able to reach down and fix it. Yeah, and uh, the last time when he he went to go push to turn, it just went all the way to the bottom and it just got stuck. He couldn't pull it back, and and so we were just basically, I mean, yeah, paddling almost in circles.
2: And I mean, we we got a lot to ground to cover here, but I got to ask, how did they edit that scene? Was that the scene? Because that's part of my. That's why I don't like reality TV. It always seems to have the same edit, right? Like, oh, the rudder stuck. <gasps> Will Chris and Skylar sink? Will they be able to turn right? Stay tuned. You'll find out next on Canada's Ultimate Challenge. Was it that kind of edit? Or? No, no. It oh, actually good. Wasn't. Okay. It, you know, they not they, to make fun of the show. Oh no, no, no. no, no, no yeah, no. yeah, they, yeah. They
3: they played out the challenge pretty well. I mean, okay. they showed the our rudder breaking once. Okay. Before that, and then I mean we we were way out i mean p- like paddling is my obviously the closest thing to sledge hockey i mean yeah just horsepower at the front of the boat yeah skylar was just steering so we were even despite our kayak having the malfunction we were way out ahead and then when it finally broke um you know the black team who ends up winning passes us with about maybe 30 percent of the race left oh, okay and because you know okay. they turn back and they're like yeah they're out of their kayak
2: <laughs> so this should have been you guys lapping the field we were, yeah, we
3: were way out in front, yeah. and it was just, you know, we couldn't end up overcoming that last, the last piece that happened. In you weren't English.
2: sabotaged, were you? There were no shenanigans I, going on. I
3: don't think so. Okay. It was, I think we just got the poor choice of the kayaks out of gotcha. out of all of them, and it was a, it was a tough one because we needed to win that challenge. Yeah. Um, we had a pretty disastrous, uh, Lori had a pretty disastrous swimming challenge before, Mhm before that event and we knew we were you know on the verge of elimination going into that episode so okay it was that was was a tough pill to swallow knowing that it was something that was out of your control at the end of the day and you know unfortunately they couldn't you know it's the way they operate you can't write anything back yeah right so i mean they spent probably a good hour after after we all finished trying to decide what what course, to, yeah what, what they were going to do like okay do we let them just race it again do yeah. we you know and I mean it just ended up being um that that was it right we just had to play it out because it was a massive massive production like sure. I think we were 30 people like with cast and coaches and then there was 150 crew
2: whoo so that's a movie it was right
3: it was insane like wow
2: and where was this part shot
3: that was in Thousand Islands Thousand
2: Islands okay so yep. in Ontario yeah, yeah okay. so
3: it was, uh, yeah, it was just a traveling circus as, uh-huh. as we went around everywhere, and uh, I mean, very cool to see, because they, like I said, you know, devised some very unique right.
2: challenges, um, but. So, so give me the practicalities on this, Chris, like, uh, when did you do it, how long did it take, you know, what was it, you know, what was life like it, during the filming?
3: It was, uh, it was a grind. Um, we started early June mm-hmm. and I didn't get home till late, late July.
2: So you're we, gone for two months?
3: Pretty much. Yeah. Wow. So we went to Toronto, did some just, you know, initiation yeah. stuff. Everyone sort of got to know each other. Yeah. And then once you set out on the road, it was three or four days of filming, travel day, three or four days of filming, travel day. Um, and yeah, you just sort of. But
2: unlike the, uh, uh. uh the, the ultimate rate not amazing race. amazing race thank you you weren't actually going from point a to point you weren't racing from point no. a to point b no that was yeah, yeah okay
3: it, that was just like more just you're going traveling across you right know, the country and in, in that sense right just yeah. um so it was it was nice that way because there was nothing crazy happening in that sense it was just the insanity of tv which which mm-hmm. you know yep. you know very well and with a production that size you know we're sitting out on the tarmac in Kelowna and it's like 42 above and you know, it's like, Kate, well use the main cameras, Kate. Now you do your six, seven takes and then it's the gimbals and then it's the drone. You're just, you know, the challenge itself took 30 seconds each or 30 or 40 seconds each. Right. But you're still out there for.
2: Well, that, so let me ask you this. Shane Doan and his brother did man tracker. And I talked to Shane about it. And I, 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 when that show came out, I loved that show. I thought it was really cool. And, they were in b c and he said they did the first day was the hunt, and you know I think they I think they beat man tracker i'm not hundred percent sure, but I think they beat man tracker, and he said day two was they took them back and then they reshot parts of it like that they they needed close ups here and stuff like that. How did that part work for you guys?
3: yeah I mean it was that, like within that I mean, you just shot a challenge each day, okay, so you got there you know in the morning you shoot all the stuff with like the podiums where we were all standing and, and they do the explanations and they mm-hmm. do, you know, go through and you have your coach talk and you have your uh little planning session, right? And it's just, do all of that and everyone just heads off to the challenge. Yeah. So, I mean, the challenges that were individual challenges, Um, you know, you didn't, the other competitors didn't get to see what was going on mm-hmm. or the people that were actually going to be yeah, competing in it. And right. The, the group challenges, I mean, you just got there and everybody just went. Yeah. So it was you know that that actual portion of things was was very easy to try and uh you know get get sorted out and then it was a lot of travel as well just because you know you end up like we're staying up in Whitehorse and we're driving out to Carcross Crossing or yeah. um I don't recall the name of the little desert out there but uh so I mean you're adding travel time into all of this and mm-hmm. then you got to get back and get to the hotel and get fed and it was yeah it was it was an interesting Interesting thing.
2: Okay, <laughs> of all of the challenges, which was which was your favorite and which was your least
3: favorite? Uh I'd have to say my favorite was probably the bail, the bail push from the second episode in Hinton. Okay, just because that's my wheelhouse—just strength and power and yeah. and being able to move that around. And we ended up having a little bit of a argument with uh, me and Franz had, and Donovan had a, had an argument at the end that was a little bit heated that they edited quite funny but uh oh did they it was it, it was, was not a, it was a little
2: different than you remember it oh yeah it, yeah. Was, it
3: was a good six minute long argument okay I mean, you guys gotta see like maybe 25 seconds okay <laughs> of it. but uh for the
2: benefit of those who didn't see it can you explain the bale?
3: yeah we had just one of the you know like the i think they're 12 or 1300 pound big round bales yes and uh they basically set up like a racetrack okay and you had to push why, this, why
2: bales in hinton hinton's a forestry town
3: yeah i don't remember what the rationale was behind that one
2: i mean there's a little bit of farming not much but
3: yeah they all sort of had something okay like some some sort of um
2: say did you like the pulp smell
3: it was actually (laughs) we didn't didn't even know that we were quite far out oh were you nowhere and we're
2: north or south of hinton
3: i i honestly don't even like you just jumped on a bus and you they, stayed
2: in hinton and then you, you traveled you stayed to it in
3: hinton and then you traveled out so we were quite a ways out because we were you know they did like the athabasca river one where gotcha. we had um and then the tree climb one there was that one those two were in the same location okay um and then the bale one was out on some some ranch somewhere gotcha i mean
2: i'm not familiar with probably area, closer to edson that. than i would think yeah, if, I, right. I, I. You yeah. weren't in. Ban- There's only one. It's either Jasper or Edson. You were it's, going one way going or the one other, way or right? Or the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was
3: just um okay. But yeah, the the bail one was really cool because okay. it was just my wheelhouse, and um you know we ended up doing not bad in that one. Mm-hmm. Just uh
2: how do you end up in a fight with Donovan Bailey?
3: No, it was actually me and Donovan were on the same side. <laughs> oh, okay, okay.
2: Franz was at Fra- the agreed party in he this. Was,
3: he was running all over the place. He okay. wasn't following a game plan and. I mean, me and Donovan, you know, he's, he's an incredible guy. Yeah. Like he, uh you know, I still chat with him a lot. Oh, do you? Okay. He yeah. just, I mean, when we first met, it was just, he literally looked at me and just gave me, he's like, yeah, we're, okay, we're on the same page already. I, you know, just compete levels. You, there's no, uh yeah. no crap when it comes to that. <laughs> you just go no. out there and you get it done. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it, that was a really cool one. And, and the. Hardest one actually for me was the very first one Mm -hmm. where I had to walk along some balance beams because it's just something I've never attempted before. And I didn't even like going out there, I was wearing, you know, running shoes, which were not the best choice of uh, a footwear for it. And yeah, it was just a trying to learn how to do it and, you know, figure it out. And, you know, it took me some time to get over it, but like our team was still doing well at that point. I think I handed my part of the... The flag off we were in third place mm-hmm. and unfortunately finished in I think fifth. Okay. But uh yeah, it was just a unique thing to go out there and, and try and do. And that was sort of my whole idea for being on the show was to, you know, go out there and push yourself. Push myself yeah. and just show people that, you know, there yep. aren't limitations. You can you can go out there and, and do what you want. It might look a little bit different the way that I do it, but mm-hmm. you know, we if you're getting the job done and you're getting a job done as well as everyone else, then You just, you know, I just hope it opens some eyes to some people.
2: How difficult, so this takes two months of your life and then it debuts when? It was like November, wasn't it? No,
3: it was was like February. It was February Was it
2: after the, was it in the new year already? So you had to sit tight on it for like six months or so? Yeah, yeah. How hard was that? Uh, You know what? I mean, for, I didn't let a lot of people
3: know where, where i was like my family knew and yeah yeah it was a yeah yeah you know a bit of a tough time with that like my mom's husband passed away the first week i was gone filming and so there was there was some craziness with that but i mean we just sort of kept it under wraps right and you know the people that knew me close knew i was off filming something but um i mean when they don't have the context or anything to what's going on in the competition you know you can say you were off doing a reality tv show and usually that's enough to like suffice for people you know Mm -hmm. get their curiosity back under control yeah
2: um you said off the top that originally you were going to be a coach then you became a participant with the idea of becoming are you going back for a season two
3: if there is a season two um we which we don't yeah we don't know ah welcome Um, to television welcome to television yeah uh yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd enjoy going back as a coach. I think it's something that, I mean, that's sort of been the next step in my career
1: mm-hmm. um, yeah.
3: is, has been the coaching side of things. And I think I bring a lot to the, would bring a lot to the table that way. Right. Um, you know, and seeing the coaches and the way that they operated this year, I think it, yeah. it, it would be, it would have been a, you know, a good fit for me this season, but I think it'll even be a better fit for me next season just because there's that recognition out there now.
2: So Gilmore Juno, Junio was another coach, right? Yes.
3: yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's love Gil. He's a... <laughs>
2: yeah but i'm only thinking sometimes you must have wanted to just to pick them up underneath your arm and just drag them like
3: you know what gill they had an amazing team yeah christian on that team me and him just became like from the we came in on the same flight together yeah and i mean you're not talking to anybody and and we just both sort of saw each other and, yeah you know and then it was like he asked what i was doing there and and we both figured out we were there for the same reason yeah. and we just we just clicked right and christian was just an incredible leader and they had a team that just gelled that was probably the biggest thing that i noticed on that show is that we had uh you know his team was there with a we mentality mm-hmm. and uh, some of the other teams had people that were there with a we mentality and then people that were there with a me mentality yeah and that's just never going to you know it's never you're never going to be cohesive at the end of the day and
2: so were there for the lack of a better term and i mean obviously it's it's edited for television and and we know that there's certain things that they do to highlight or whatever but behind the scenes were there some prima donnas on this show, show? oh absolutely
3: there was eh? absolutely there yeah. was i mean there, there was a lot of friction that really took place off the you know off camera um it just
2: did you hit anybody just about, actually. Oh, but I you got, didn't, okay. I didn't. I got okay. pulled away. Oh, okay.
3: <laughs> it, was, it, it There was. I mean, it was, a, like I said, a very, I mean, inclusive, very diverse cast. Yeah. Right? With, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it, it was an eye-opening experience because, you know, you're just, you're there and you've got people, you know, a lot of the people that apply to these shows do have very big personalities to begin with. Sure. Right? Sure. And And then, like I said, if, you know, they're there to push their own agenda yeah. a lot of the time, which... Yep. Would work great if you're there doing big brother. Right. Right. But if you're there with a team, it that just doesn't pan out, especially when you got I mean, when I look at my sporting background and there were guys there that played college football, you had some very guys with some very high level athletic backgrounds, and then you've got, you know, these prima donnas who if Mm -hmm. you were playing on a team with them, yeah, somebody would have tune them in real
2: fast right. <laughs> but makes for great television
3: makes for good absolutely makes for okay. good television
2: um we can still watch this on cbc gem
3: yes okay yeah they you can just download the app it's a free app okay you can watch it watch the show for free on there actually okay. um you know if you pay i think it's 4.99 it just gets rid of the commercials and and sort of off you go so yeah if anybody's interested in, in watching it still and i'm not sure there's talk about they might put it back like run it run it again on television again on television again um but yeah as of right now i mean you can you can watch it on cbc jam and laugh at the one-legged guy
2: nobody's (laughs) going to do that especially when your best event is pushing a 300 pound bale around a horse track (laughs) yeah oh there's gonna be a lot of laughter on that um let's talk a little uh and i I made light of it because you and i made light of it before it is now para hockey right Uh, You are a former uh, national team member, what at that time was the sledge team. Yes. Um, What do you make of um, what is is happening and what is going on these days at the NSO level? Uh, Not specifically with the sledge program, but Hockey Canada's been in some hot water, now going on two years. There is a a movement to uh, add a women's national team. I, I think we've talked about this in the past. Just a thought on the state of the game. You're, are you still coaching as well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're still in the grassroots and in the thick of it. Yeah. yeah, Give us a little sense of where para hockey is right now.
3: Uh, I think from the men's side, it's it's slowly coming along still. Um, As you know, with with Russia being out, Mm -hmm. that was a bit of a hit um, just from a competitive aspect. Just you know, they came into the Canadian Tire Cup last year and they were they were a force. I mean, they gave gave our boys a, a good run. Mm-hmm. And so having them out was a little bit of a hit that way. And the other teams are, are progressing. Um, you know, everything that's happened at Hockey Canada hasn't really affected the Sledge team yeah. immensely. Um, you know, they essentially kept all their funding. I mean, even the sponsorships and things like that, it, uh, it, it didn't seem to affect them mm-hmm. a, a huge amount. So, yeah. you know, they're, they've had some turnover now. They're, they've got a, a lot younger team. That, that they're sort of bringing through. And I'm hoping that, yeah, they can finally figure out, or, you know, what, get that, get that kryptonite, as you said, for the American team. Because um, it's just been a, it's a, been a rough go. It's set. been
2: lopsided, um, you know, just in results, right?
3: It's, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's just, you know, for my, my personal standpoint, is the, the team just isn't playing smart, strategic hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't play... A just run and gun game with the states because mm-hmm. they're just too fast. Right. You have to just, you know, it's it's not the Canadian way to play a passive type D. Yeah. But that's what you need to do because sledge is a game of angles. Yeah. Right? You're, yep. you're not dangling through somebody or, you know, you got to beat them wide or beat them with physicality. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, we got big guys on our team. That's the thing. You know, and these little double amps that they have down there, you get. Do
2: you want to explain that? Because that just recently got put on my radar. I I guess I I should have thought of it, but can you just talk a little bit about why that's important? Uh, A double amputee versus a bigger player.
3: Yeah. I mean, so the double amputees just have, have an advantage in our sport because we don't have a classified or uh, it's a classified sport, but because we don't have a point system in our, in our sport, which I personally love. Because that puts every... You don't
2: want a point I don't system? Wanna, I don't want a point system. Can you... System. Uh, now I got to ask you, in the middle of an explanation to explain something else, because I just found out about this, in wheelchair basketball, for for instance, there's a point system, right? Yes. Can you explain that?
3: Yeah. So in wheelchair basketball, wheelchair rugby, you have a point system, which generally, basically allots you to have 10 points on the court at one time. Right. And then depending on your disability, you're allotted a point total. Right. And so, you know, if you're an able-bodied person, mm-hmm. right, you'd go out there and you'd be a five-point player. Okay, and that means the other four players on your team have to have probably a relatively severe disability, because you're now you're down to like, right. you know, a one and a half sort of point player, which right. would be like generally a very high, you know, a, a high paraplegic or somebody that with multiple amputations. Right. Uh, so it makes the game. I, like I said, my personal opinion on it is you don't have the best players playing the game at that point. It's more finding Mm. unicorns within the sport. It it makes sense. Um, But I
2: also understand why they do it.
3: Oh, I I 100% 100 understand that. But that's where I think if you're going to run a class, you're already being classified for it. If you look at athletics or anything like that, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have me racing against somebody with CP that has two legs. If I'm running a hundred meters. Yep right and if you're gonna do that then why are we not doing that in other sports yep that you know where you do have these classifications so that a you're getting more people involved at the Paralympic level right and you're just getting more competition happening across the country right because I could be you know incredible at wheelchair basketball but if I go and try out for the team I probably wouldn't make it right because I'm I'd be a four-point player.
2: Right. Which is, again, if you're trying to amass a team, put four other players, now you only have six points to a lot for those players. Exactly. Right. And so to me, like I said, uh, I'd, have you ever met Zach Medell? No. So
3: he's uh, the wheelchair rugby kid. From oh, okay. Okotos. Yeah, yeah. And he is like the unicorn of wheelchair rugby. So he's uh, he had meningitis. He lost fingers on both hands. He lost, uh, I think, both legs below the knees. But... He, uh, he wheels around like an able-bodied person, but because of his disability, he's
2: classified
3: as like a two-point player. Okay, And so that becomes sort of the focus in trying to find, you know, building a team in that sense. So it's- Less uh,
2: less about the, what you bring and more about what you're, yeah.
3: And, and so that's with, with, Para ice hockey, that's what I love about it, is yeah, if you have a lower body disability, right? That, that's your classification, it stops there. Yeah. Right. But with the Americans, I mean, they have such a, a huge population pool, right? They're ten times our size as far as population goes. Right. Right. And then Just, I mean, they're a very active military country (laughs) on top of that, which, and they draw from, they, they they
2: recruit from the the VA.
3: They do an incredible, like you go down to any of the military hospitals down there and they're getting you involved in sport while you're there and you're, you know, and you're, you're fully involved in a Paralympic sport by the time you leave. Yep. And so down there, I mean, when you have in sledge hockey, when you got these double amputees, Um, so double above knee amputees or even double below knee amputees, uh, you know, a from, uh, one side, their sled is way shorter than what, I mean, I'm six, three, my sled is massively long. Yep. So if you're racing against somebody or if I'm trying to angle somebody off to the boards, there becomes a point where he can turn to the boards and I can't. So he has a massive advantage in that sense where he can, you know, he can now maneuver and I can't. And then from a speed standpoint, they don't have... Anything restricting their stride going forward. Mm-hmm. So when I'm pulling in my sled, because I still have a leg, I still have that restriction of flexibility and everything else there. And you watch some of the guys like Brody Robo, Brody Roebel, uh, or Declan Farmer. I mean, when they take these strides, they're just there's nothing they way out in front of them, yeah. um, and they're just able to take off, yep. right? And so it's it's you have to find a way to combat yep. that speed and. The run and gun game, the hitting game, we've tried it now for, you know, a lot of years. And it just hasn't, it hasn't paid off, right? And they have an incredible development system in the States, which again, is a huge benefit to them. Um, You know, our development system up here from the NSO level, I'd say needs some, restructuring it really work
2: <laughs> you're telling me there's an NSO that needs to be restructured in Canada this is the first I'm hearing of it no I listen I I get it um do you care to opine a little bit on the on the gender equity part because it, it strikes me as a little odd that we don't have a, a women's national team but I don't know a lot about it either so I don't want to weigh in and yeah you and, know what I mean and
3: I'm you know what I'm like I'm all for it. I have absolutely no pro, like no issues with. it. Are there it. other
2: countries like
3: that's that's where the problem was? Oh, okay, is so that you know it, they're it's really being brought up, and it and it definitely deserves the light that it that's being brought to it because yep. it's you know there's some amazing girls on that team. Um, one of the actual Kaylee King from Calgary here, yep. just made, made it this year, and uh, my foundation gave her 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 sled this uh this winter. So name dropper. <laughs> Got to, got to try
2: and do what I can. I great. know, yeah, no, no, but, uh, no, no, but no, it's, but no, but that's important, right? And we'll get into that in a second because that's another conversation. But uh, it's, yeah, but they got to have somebody to play,
3: and that's and that's the problem is that to be a Paralympic sport, you need to be, you need to have at least eight teams, you need to have at least eight countries yeah. involved, yeah, and they don't have that. You know, they yeah. had their worlds last year, what they called worlds, and they had Canada, the U.S., and Team World. That was all that they could put together for that, and so from. From a, a standpoint, especially from you know our like our on the podium and our government yeah. standpoint, yeah. like funding, it can't be a Paralympic sport because there's not enough teams, right? And so you know they're
2: so it's not a, it's it's not as much about diversity and inclusion as no. it is about the competition. There, there's right. just
3: no competition for them, and that's and that is the the their main hurdle in get, It's actually their only hurdle in becoming a recognized Paralympic sport is there needs to be. You know, they need yeah. to have other teams in there that are fully funded and be able to, I mean, the reality of it is, is it'll be no different than the men's team is right now. Yeah. Right. You're going to have Canada and the U S at the top. Yep. And then you're going to have, you know, like great Britain is had a team for a while over there. So, I mean, they've got some good players, but you know, that drop-off is just going to be immense. And it's, it's just been a slow, a much slower growing process for them just because throughout our grassroots program. Yep. It's, it's, it's all mixed. Yep right? So, I mean, there's no two different streams. It's all mixed at that point. And um, it's just, you know, one of those unfortunate things, there's not a lot of females that that get into the sport.
2: Well, and and that allows us now to broach into, you know, because we're here today talking because it's, you know, it's a big day for kids sport and the sport, Calgary Flame Sports Bank. They're out at Wood Auto uh, locations all across Calgary as drop-off locations. But 99.9 of that is for able-bodied athletes. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about one of the things that nobody ever seems to talk about, but is an absolute fact: is the cost of para sport. That it it it's as much as it's a great alternative, and and God bless them, David Leg and all of these the adapted hub. Everybody's working their tails off, but how much is a sled? Uh, just to play to get, hockey. yeah
3: just your basic you know starter sled yeah. is about seven hundred dollars okay right so but when you compare that to you know taking your kid out to play timbits and buying a pair of eighty dollar skates um, yeah
2: there, there's no canadian tire version of a sled no you can start in no what about a, a like a, a wheelchair basketball chair
3: that that just starts getting crazy right because now it's a lot more customized you know the beginning beginner sleds are very adjustable the wheelchair, ba- you know, wheelchair basketball and rugby, you're getting to vary. you're talking like four or five grand. Yeah. Okay. Right. And, and that's just a, that's a huge amount of money, especially if you're, you know, raising a kid with a disability, because you yep. have a lot of your funds going out to extra stuff already. Right. Um, you know, a lot of this stuff is not covered your daily, you know, you get some stuff covered, but it's, it's, it's a drop in the hat compared to what these parents are spending from right. a, an overall standpoint. And so paying seven hundred dollars for a sled just
2: and we'll we'll talk about our friend ryan here in a second but ryan put out some video of him golfing yep. in a in a up he's able to golf in an upright position how much is that machine I think worth
3: they're about 40 grand because right. yeah we were just out uh i was just out with him at launch pad down in uh heritage point and because that we're going to really push getting some golfing going that summer or this summer and we yep. really want to bring some more light to it and and have it become a Paralympic sport. Right. Um, just, I mean, it's, I've golfed for a lot of years. And, I, you know, some of these kids out there, it's unbelievable what uh, <laughs> what they can do. But
2: $40,000 um, is prohibitive. Now, if I understand it, the one he uses is actually owned by a course. Yes. And they allowed him to take it to another course?
3: No, it's actually owned by the Rad Sport. Um, oh, that group.
2: owns the courses. Yes. Gotcha. And, okay. Uh,
3: and so... It was, was here. They had it at Bear's Paw, and then they had it down at Heritage. Yeah. And I think it's been moved back to BC now. So we're actively trying to f- locate one of these for So while. in a
2: golfing hotbed like this city, with the insane amount of golfing that we do, we do not have one of those of our own.
3: No. Okay. No, it's... It that sucks. seems like...
2: And you know me and my love of golf. Oh, <laughs> I love it. <clears throat> but we need it. And, no. and that and that to me is, as we talk about, you know, equipment, we how many kids are left to the side because it is prohibitive to start modifications or, you know, it doesn't even necessarily need to be a chair or anything, but modifications to, to yep. equipment, right? Yeah. Oh, no, exactly. I mean, it's... And even, that's what your... You do that, but that's what your foundation does a little bit of, right? Yes. You help with that.
3: Yeah, it's getting getting kids or you know, kids or adults right, with, uh, getting them adaptive equipment right, or access to it or subsidizing it, like yeah. however we can help out. Cause obviously, you know, when you're getting into some of these crazy numbers, you know, mm-hmm. 40 grand for a, you know, a, a golfer is just, you know, that's side. A- but,
0: but even,
2: you know, even like you say, you know, 700 to a thousand dollars or a chair or whatever, you, you know, what are you putting the child in or what are you letting the kid do just recreational if they get good, you know?
3: then it it just goes up from there that's the thing right but then
2: it's it's access right and then it's finding the right venue and and there's again we continue to be a little bit behind the rest of the world in this province don't we actually
3: calgary has now become probably one of the best uh facilities or cities as far as accessible accessibility for especially rinks Um, oh you mean
2: community rinks you don't mean the dome (laughs)
3: <laughs> no no god no 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 no, 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 no. I've, yeah, no, no I've, I've had to be on the ice no. at the dome that is not no a fun no. process getting yeah yeah no 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 but, um, but but
2: but things like wind sport uh, some of the newer facilities yeah they, they're built with that in mind absolutely oh yeah, good yeah. okay we've, that's
3: excellent we've yeah. got quite a few rinks here okay. in calgary now where we're able to able to do that where before it was just at wind sport and then we were you know we had our little ones out at Stu henry right where it was you know carrying them out onto the ice and
2: people don't understand that do they chris like we don't i know we have better facility we don't have a sledge purposed arena do we built for sledge only uh, we have convertibles we we all have convertibles yes okay yeah just- but but out east isn't there a sledge i thought there was oh i thought on the east coast there was a sledge only a sledge built purpose facility
3: there there might be but they at the end of the day they still have to be Set up for stand up hockey, right? Like, I mean, it's well. That's going
2: to be your biggest.
3: That's exactly revenue driver, right? You, You you need to have that there, and I mean that it's it's actually been just growing it in the sense that so I helped design the rink in Okotoks, okay. And one of the huge issues that we had at WinSport, while I was playing, is we never got to use the benches because it was an hour long process yes for the guys to take the benches out right. you know so you're you're essentially losing 2 hours of ice yep. to rent an hour of ice yep. well we devised the system in o- Okotoks that takes a flood
2: to take the benches to out to take
3: the benches out so Which it is becomes perfect. you know yep. and and that sort of now become more of the staple and is thing. there and,
2: glass so you can see out
3: yeah there's glass so you can see out okay. and i mean we're looking at trying to build a new facility just down in just south of uh the Costco on the ring road okay and this one would be a hundred percent accessible and done in ways oh, that it. uh you know the dressing rooms are fully accessible done so that God's can Can, can
2: i know. ask a favor can you make the dressing rooms also with the sensory issues sensory issues in mind too yes can they be big and round so that superheroes kids could come in there and that'd be awesome yeah that's we'll, what we need
3: we will yeah we're gonna be, we're gonna try and do it so it encompasses everybody that way and um you know i mean that's something i've honestly i didn't even know
2: about so well we've we've you know the on the superhero side because it's it's so important for us um you know the 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 big challenge is with kids that have sensory issues that you need some space right they need to lay out their equipment not all of them but some of them do and and you need a quieter you know if you some of these if we we couldn't take them to the old corral no right because the dressing rooms would be too small people be on top of them but Edmonton with our superheroes program we 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 don't have that we have these smallish rooms and boy you notice that kids get nervous and they get anxious and things like that's not what the experience is supposed to be about no
3: right no well and that's something that we can absolutely you know have have one of the rooms built that way right right I mean it's you know we are we are looking at it from a sledge aspect yeah which but I mean this is absolutely something that I would love to you know i know yeah, a guy part of it was, i know a guy like, yeah and uh i know a guy so i mean to have something a facility like that would just be unreal right and it's just it's that constant involvement of it you know everyone well i'm
2: I'm happy to hear that you know because i you know we're we're going through the, the the politics of an election and everything and one thing that's come up is you know alberta remains the only province without uh legislation on access right okay. so it's nice to hear that the facilities have taken it upon themselves the city has taken it upon themselves as we build facilities to keep that in mind it has to be part i'm not taking a run at the flames or anything when i talk about the dome it just was built in a time that that wasn't a consideration it should have been but it wasn't right and
3: that's and that's the thing i mean me and Straz skate all the time out at you know east east calgary yeah right and i mean that you know facility was built back i don't even know when i mean you let like the wheelchair ramp down there you could use as a Motorbike ramp if you went back up at <laughs> Lake, and the funny part is is it's like from me to you away, and it's just a concrete wall, yeah, so I mean you get you know winter time it's icy, you get somebody coming down there in a chair, I mean you're just you're coming in hot on this concrete wall
2: <laughs> oh, terrible um, you brought his name up, I want to just kind of end with that um five years ago, a couple weeks ago was uh you know, I, I, I don't like using the word anniversary because it, it not on purpose, but it almost sounds celebratory. It's just not what it is. The world changed. Like, the world changed. Um, and we, especially here in Calgary, got to know Ryan Straznitsky. And And uh, I was with him last week. And it's been a while. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He, if, if you need a speaker if you need somebody to come up and tell a story, it's Ryan. Like, he blew me away. His presentation um, about mindset and uh, the way he delivered it, the, uh, he hit these spots where, oh, this is going to be hard. And he just, you know, he's talking about the accident and talking about recovery and everything. And what he shows you. Uh, you've done an amazing job as a mentor. You really, really have. And and to point it out, you were one of the first people to go to Saskatoon and visit the players after the accident. I know this because I know you, but also it, it's part of his presentation. You know, the people that came. You were right there for him day one, and you've been working with him. Um, and I, I told him how incredible it was, but you need to hear how incredible it was because you've been just an incredible mentor for this young man. Well done. Oh, thank you.
3: I mean, that's... Uh... You know he he, he's done it himself. I mean that's I've I've been you know honored to be along with the journey and Mm -hmm. and and his continued journey. But uh, he is such an amazing young man. He Uh, really is. I I I don't have words for him. I mean we've you know every time I'm I'm asked this, he's always surprising me.
2: And it is just, but you know, there's been an evolution, wouldn't you say? Like, and and I, and I think it's natural. But we did cowboys and sleds. That was right that after. Was, that was September, right? Was September 2019. And that was, you know, he gets in a sled, and I just remember he scored, and it was almost like, yeah, I know, but he he didn't believe in it. Yeah. And now, I mean, he's up there talking about being part of the 2026 team, and. You know the work that he puts in, and and the, the dedication he has, and then he shows the golf and the machine, and he and he talks openly about it. Uh, it's just so. Again, yes, he deserve. I will praise. I want to get him on the show to talk about it, but I want you to know.
1: Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. One hundred percent online
0: Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. That your work
2: is right there. Like that's mentorship. When we talk about leadership and mentors, that's what it is. At the worst possible moment in someone's life, you stepped in and you led and, and you've been a part of this, and it's been incredible, It was just incredible to watch it. And I encourage groups out there that are looking, this man, Ryan, there's a picture of the two of you, uh, Straz or Chris, you couldn't ask for better speakers and more uplifting speakers because your stories are incredible, but you deserve so much credit, Chris, for the work that you've done with him. Thank you. Ryan. I mean, he deserves yes. it too, don't get me wrong, I, but you're, he's not here, you are.
3: No, I know, right. and I, I mean, am. but like I said, it's, it's something that... You know, from from my standpoint, it was something I never wanted anybody to go through after sure. what I went through in the hospital, and so being able to go out there and and help, you know, and and show these people, and I mean, Straz just, you know, he he's a kid that just ran with it, right? Oh. And he he took took everything that I said from the word go, and just he yeah. he believed in it, and he yeah. saw the light at the end of the tunnel, and and I mean, you, you mentioned like the anniversary side of things, and it's sort of you know, there, there's obviously you know, you have that day in which, yep. you know, it, it was a bad day, you know, a bad thing that happened. But I think both me and Straz look at it now as this was just a very, you know, it was a minute of our lives, yeah. right? And are you going to let a minute of your life, and I mean, I can't even count, you know, if you broke that down into seconds, right? <laughs> even hours, You, you, you are you going to let that dictate the rest of your life or let that ruin what's going on? And and when I talk to him now, I mean it's obviously you're still gonna have struggles, you're still gonna have pain and hurt, and but he looks at it now and he sees the difference, and he sees the difference that he makes with with the world. Yeah, you know he's he's now looking at it going, you know, yeah, he he might have you know accident not had happened, he might have been playing you know college hockey and then what? You know, you're.
2: Balling. I think he was going to be a minor pro player. Like that's where I think he thought he was going to be. Right. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and now he's out there making a difference oh. to millions and millions of people, and it's it's yeah. something that you know I think he sees that now, and and like I said, regardless of the struggles, it's the impact that he's able to have now mm-hmm. is a million times greater than had he just played minor pro hockey yeah. somewhere and yeah. you know rode off into the sunset yeah. with a hockey career, and it's yeah, I mean it's a remarkable thing to to see the evolution of him, and I mean he's you know, now been with our national para program, he's broken that, you know, broken through that, that ceiling where he's now to that point. And I mean, that's an incredible thing coming from, you know, the type of disability that he has to be able to get to that point. Right. Um, Just shows the kind of character that he has and the kind of drive that he has, because I've never seen it before in
2: Anybody? Oh, it's impre- it It's impressive. When he stepped on the stage last weekend, and he talked to the group that I was with. And um, like I say, he was so smooth and polished, not in the snake oil salesman way, but like I've seen him come up and, and talk and, and be. And now he's comfortable in his own skin. He's confident in his message. He believes in what he's saying. He knows his place in the world. Is that is that? Does that make sense? Like that's that's the observation I would make. No, of that's,
3: it. That definitely makes sense, right? And I mean, he's been able to use his platform. T- you know, we've been able to do some amazing things. I mean, we through the Flames Foundation, we yep. have our uh, our sledge hockey, our, our Flames sledge hockey team. Now yep. we are now. Uh, you know, we have a roller sled system that's we're actually just mm-hmm. going to be launching with them. So we're, you know, tomorrow we're out with the CPS. Um, you know, getting a whole bunch of kids out. We got the kids cancer center. Like it's, it's because of guys like him, you know, that we've been able to make these incredible strides in, in para sport, right. He's brought so much awareness to it that he's, it's, that trickle down effect has been absolutely amazing and we're getting more kids involved in sport, which I I know for both of us is something that we, that's, that's all we want. That's what we,
2: that's all we want. And, and all kids. And right, all kids. kids. Yeah, it it right can't be just course. a certain group of kids. It's gotta be all kids. Absolutely right. And they all deserve course. the opportunity. Yeah. No, I just I, I was it was just by happenstance I was with them last week and, and you're on the show this week, but you need to know the work you did. I mean, like it pays off. Right. Right? Right. Sure. I mean, you got the weight bench for Christmas and we're seeing the difference <laughs> there, but this is real. <laughs> um, anyway, so Canada's Ultimate Challenge. Uh, that's available, as I mentioned, CBC maybe a season two. Maybe we'll, a season two. Nothing and spent. and how will we know? Well, I'll just text you in June and July. We'll and if just, you don't text me back, I know. Well, we'll right? see where things are at. Yeah, we'll see what, where <laughs> things are at. I, like, would you sucker punch Gilmore Junior? Like, if he's on next year, that would be fantastic. I mean, I love Gilmore. He's great. He, I'd like, like him to come on. I have no bone to pick, but I know you two. And I just think it would be a, a great story. Or he sucker punches you.
3: Oh, i then then we'll do the Celebrity Bash. There we go. Yes, and then, fight, and then you guys can fight the May 20th.
2: We should point that out <laughs> for Kidsport. May 20th, you'll be hosting a t- uh, table at, uh, at the Celebrity uh, uh, celebrity Champion, 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 Champion celebrity, celebrity Bash. bash. I'm, yep. I'm only on the organizing committee. I should know. Um, as well, today... Uh, The Calgary Flame Sports Bank and Wood Automotive Group are uh, revving up their drop-off locations uh, for gently used equipment. So you were out in Okotoks. So you were at Okotoks Volkswagen and Okotoks Ford Lincoln this morning. As well, Woodridge Ford Lincoln, South Center Volkswagen, Advantage Ford, Big Four Motors, and, of course, our friends at Village Honda. Um, Outside of that, you're really not that busy, are you? (laughs) I mean, just just this I, stuff here. I,
3: yeah, I, it's it's just that's just yeah. I I have too much time to spend in the gym apparently. So apparently, uh, holy cow! No, it's it's a good busy, and I slow
2: down, Arnold. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, I enjoy doing it all. I mean, it's something that uh, you know, just being able to help. You know, I'm going to do another shameless plug here. Unfortunately, Please. we. Uh, my foundation is going to be doing our first big event uh, May 21st.
2: Oh, what are you doing?
3: Uh, out We're going to have a sledge, uh, like a little sledge tournament and a try it sledge.
2: And Fantastic.
3: So, if anyone's ent- interested in entering a team, uh, you can reach out through the Cedar Strand Foundation website. Okay. Um, you know, we're going to have some celebrities out there. Okay. Gonna have some fun. Get people out there in sleds and yep. yeah, just get, uh, again, get some awareness out there so that everybody can, uh, yeah, get involved in sport.
2: I love it. That's outstanding. Uh, Chris, thank you for this. Uh, again, I can't say enough of uh, the work uh, you and, and Straz have done. It's amazing, and, and it's, it needs to be noted. Um, other than that, you're, you're not bad thanks for stopping by my pleasure i'll beat you this year (laughs) uh, oh yeah no i again don't i know you as long as you show up i don't have a chance (laughs) chris cedar everybody uh of course brought to you by ski seller snowboard ski com. 76 years in calgary but it's tomorrow we're worried about tomorrow saturday uh, april 22nd one day only 10 a.m to 6 p.m the spring pop-up sale 40 percent off Of everything, three locations, McLeod Trail by Chinook Center, 17th Avenue Southwest, just off of 14th Street, and Bow Ridge Road Northwest by McDonald's uh, at the bottom of the hill. From Windsport. in a couple of moments, we are going to get connected with uh, our good friend, Eric Dehachuk. He will join us here in the Oodle Noodle studio. Oodle Noodle, they bring the heat. Try butter, chicken, mac and cheese, Kung Pao noodles, Bangkok Pad Thai classic, vegetarian and gluten-friendly options, two locations, 1244 17th Avenue Southwest, 105 Main Street North in Airdrie. Pick up and delivery. So uh, we will join, we'll be joined by Mr. DeHatchuk here in a couple of moments. Gives us an opportunity uh, just to revisit a couple of notes from today. Uh, as we mentioned when we came on the air, um, what a year for young Dustin Wolfe. Uh, he is second year in a row. He's first team all-star, second year in a row. He's the goalie of the year in the American Hockey League. Now he's just the MVP of the American Hockey League. Um, what has this, this kid has done at all? I, I, I don't know what he's got left to do. Um, you heard Brent Cron talk about it on Wednesday. Um, I think the, the flames, the easy play here and, and you hate to do it cause he's a good teammate and people like him, but the odd man out looks like Vladar. Um, you know, it doesn't. Uh, Markstrom's going to play what? Markstrom's going to play. Even if he plays 50 games, that's 30 plus games for Wolf next year. This is not a Mika Kippersoff 74 game team anymore where you're only going to get eight games as the backup. Wolf will get a little bit of work. All right. Enough of me talking about Wolf. I might even ask our next guest about Wolf, but uh, he joins us. That is Eric Eric Dachuk from The Athletic. Of course, all of our guests brought to you by the Ski Cellar Snowboard, and they have their surprise sale on tomorrow. 40% off everything, everything from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., one day only. at The three locations... A- a ski Cellar Snowboard, McLeod Trail, 17th Avenue, and Bow Ridge Road. Very pleased to have you join us from the athletic live in studio for the second time in a row, Eric DeHatchuk. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. I just got back from Edmonton. Oh, and boy, are <laughs> well, <my> wings- <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, oh, okay. You're going to do the weight. Your arms are tired? I drove. Uh, <laughs> you drove? Yeah. What was second prize? Uh, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Good. Well, you got to get that out of the way first. Oh, right? <laughs> you do. You do. Well,
4: I, but I will say this: I thought the hockey was pretty compelling. Like I was I really it. Enjoyed, well, I thought so. I, I, I mean, I guess everybody's. What are people focused on? It seems to me that uh, the people are focused on Toronto, Tampa, the Rangers, Jersey, you know, the, and I've been kind of following uh, Edmonton, Los Angeles, and, and on the off days, Seattle, Colorado, and I've I've found both series to be mm-hmm. very, very interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Los Angeles is, is flat out a better team than they were a year ago. They hmm. have better goaltending, they have better defense, and... I don't know if they're going to get Kevin Fiala back, but I would really like to see them get Kevin Fiala back because he was a real X factor for them this year. You know, I thought the way Todd McCullen deployed him as kind of a third-line guy, five-on-five, five, really gave them three effective uh forward lines and then you know he was he was a catalyst on the power play now, king's power play has been pretty good in the series so far but uh but i like the way they've played this rope a dope bend but don't break style yeah. and uh i mean it, it just feels like another one of those series that uh, that could go down to down to the wire and so yeah i thought you know, i'll go back for game five and then we'll okay. see where we're at did the oilers escape with a split well, I thought they were the better team in both games okay, uh, but it uh, you know for sure in the, in that first game uh you know l a didn't have anything going early, and then all of a sudden chip away, chip away, chip away and then and then you know yeah. score, you know conjure something up in uh overtime on 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 the power play, but the second game i you know when you're sitting there because you know we, we write columns on deadline, so it's 2 nothing edmonton and, and and at that point it looks like okay you know a year ago 4-3 in the opener same script this year it's 2-0 could 2-0 become 6-0 which is what happened in game two last year and um, you're leaning towards same script same script and then you know it's suddenly 2-2 and you know that second goal by Velarde on Skinner was eh, not great and and now in the second intermission you're writing the other side of it which is wow can you imagine Edmonton going down 2-0 heading back to, to California and the questions that will be asked and then they got that uh a very Important early goal yeah. from a depth guy, which yeah. is a big difference on this team. Yep. And then I thought after that they uh, they showed a lot of poise to to lock it down. So, but again, you know, to me, you know, ebbs and flows are, are what playoffs are all about. And uh, and and I just like the way you know Los Angeles has. There's a maturity about their game that they don't get flustered and they don't start running around. It you know the, the, the little bit that I've looked in on the other series, there is a little bit of that running around. Mm-hmm. A little bit of that you know. You know, playing like you know chickens with their heads cut off, and I don't see that in in the two series I've been monitoring. I thought there was a lot of poise on display in Seattle, Colorado, too. Good, fast, go go hockey, like really good hitting. You know, right. like Yanni Gordy again is proving that this is a you know a playoff uh, player to be be reckoned with, and uh, just just really
2: interesting to watch from a perspective of someone that you know watches hockey for a living. The Oilers, a lot was made about, you know, the additions and the the changes. Skinner's come in and and been fine as a rookie goaltender. You mentioned, like, Koston got the the goal, or Mm -hmm. Koston – do you see the little things now, Eric? I mean, this was a team that we knew could score. They'd score themselves out of trouble. Yeah. But do you see the little details in the game there that maybe they haven't, haven't had before?
4: Uh, I would say that's true. Uh, but I, I think that it's two things. One, I just think they're flat out better in terms of talent. Yes. So if you look at their one to five forwards, you know, I, I don't think Kane has had a great series so far, but but he was tremendous in last year's playoffs yep. and I think yep. he's somebody that can raise the level of, of his play again and Nugent Hopkins had the best year of his career Hyman had the best year of his career McDavid had the best year of his career I mean I don't think anybody has a better one to five forward group than, than Edmonton does and then I think that you know that selectively the players that they've got filling those six to eleven because they're playing eleven forwards again uh, after the injury to Janmark are, are just flat out better like I like Nick Bukestad that third line center matchup mm-hmm. it looks like Lizard is out tonight for for Los Angeles but you you've got a 6-6 guy against a 5-6 guy I mean <laughs> that yeah that, that's hard that that's hard on, on on a team like Los Angeles and I like the way Bukestad carries himself we had a good conversation addressing him the other day um, and then you know I mean, lots of people have said this but, but Ekholm does make a difference mm-hmm. you know he's just one of those guys that that Leads from from the way he from you know his presence uh, on the team, his presence on the bench, his presence in the dressing room. He's he's just a a guy that that knows how to play the game efficiently, physically. Um, You know, I I think he was a real catalyst in that fourteen zero and one run at at the end of the season. Um, You know, to me, actually, the, the one thing about Edmonton at the trade deadline that I wondered about was. Was Evan Bouchard ready to step in as pp? quarterback one mm-hmm. because in order to make the at-home trade they they moved out tyson berry and so tyson berry you know excellent power play yep. guy yep. um you know sheltered minutes on on the third pair but not bad this year if you talk to everybody to the people in edmonton that saw them play night in and night out they will tell you that berry had a had a very good year so that is that i i can't ever remember somebody you know taking a power play that was on its way to being like a historic greatest power play of all time and then and then changing it in in the middle of a season and it hasn't missed a beat. So that to me was important that Bouchard had developed enough maturity and experience to step in, and and he has been you know I think as effective as as Barry and lots of what works on that power play is you know the play down low, you know that cross seam pass from McDavid to, to Dreisaitl for for the one timer, but you know t- so you know you haven't hurt yourself by subtracting Barry, but you've really improved yourself by adding Eckholm. and and that to me is I think why a lot of people thought that. Edmonton had a chance to come out of the conference and they they do they you do know, they, yeah. they you know when you think about a 1-1 split and Connor McDavid has just a single assist in, in in the game he's obviously got another level that he can get to and when he gets to that level which he will um you know it
2: could it could be interesting so what what does LA hang its hat on going home because you're absolutely right you're yeah. not going to keep McDavid you know, under wraps like that. Yeah. um I mean, Cole, how old is Kopitar, by the way? A million years old. <laughs> but he doesn't play that way. <laughs> no. right? that, I guess that's the point you're making. He's yeah, not playing he's that just- way. He's just he's timeless right now I think he's been rejuvenated and, oh, okay. and,
4: and you know again I, you know me I've been around Los Angeles lots yep. in the last few years and uh and I just felt that uh, that when they were in the sort of the early stages of that rebuild you know he's a great professional he's the son of a coach you know Daryl Sutter will tell you it's probably the best center that he's ever had mm-hmm. uh but 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 I, I think it's it's hard to be good for 82 games when you know you probably don't have much of a chance to play in the playoffs so I think what's happened in the last couple of years as they've turned. The corner and and supplemented that lineup with good pros like Fial and like Victor Arvidsson and the development of, of Trevor Moore, uh, you know, and, and signing Philip Deneau. Yep. You know, now he's got some help. It's not just him anymore, and he just looks like a like a guy who's who's got a second wind in his career. Um, you were asking, you know, what do you hang your hat on? Well, you hang your hat on the fact that that you know Deneau doesn't get intimidated by playing against Drysaitel and McTavish. That mm. Kopitar doesn't get intimidated by playing against against those guys they're in the selkie conversation most years for a reason and there's very few teams that can roll out two guys that can produce offensively especially Kopitar and 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 still you know get the job done done defensively and uh you know Deneau you know he spoke a couple of times in the last couple of days and there's a there's a pleasing cockiness to him I like him you know yeah. he's oh yes I like him a lot because, because he's he's played a long time and, and he's had some success uh, and and he doesn't get he doesn't get Worried or flustered by, you know, some nights when it it doesn't kind of go their way because Drysaddle has been outstanding for Edmonton. He's just been really, really good. But uh, but those two guys, I think um, they have their own at home in in Gavrikov, who's been a very effective player. Actually, better in the playoffs than in the regular season. There were moments in the regular season when it was, "Eh, what about him? And then. One of the focal points, of course, in the series is Mikey Anderson. So you have to be a pretty hardcore hockey fan to know very much about who is Mikey Anderson. (laughs) Yeah, That was one of my questions for Todd McClellan. I said, you know, how and and, and when did this guy become such a good player? And his answer was simply, he said, well, we've known he's been a good player for a long period of time, but the rest of the league is just catching up. up. But, you know, one of the, the things about a guy like Anderson, who, again, carries himself with a lot of confidence Uh, and that's Joey Anderson's brother who's probably more well-known but Mm -hmm. not not as good a player um Playing with Drew Doughty can be a challenge. He can, it can yes. be a challenge, you yeah. know, because sometimes you have to kind of clean up the messes that Doughty makes, and, and Doughty likes the puck on his stick, and, and he likes to go, and so it takes a special skill set and personality, I would say, to, to play effectively with Drew Doughty, and they are an excellent pair together. They are an excellent pair together, and they burn up 25 minutes per night. So, you know, we're always talking about, you know, the most underrated this, the most underrated yeah. that. I think if you were to put together a list of the 10 most underrated defensemen, the ones that really fly under the radar, mm-hmm. because I think, you know, Ekholm would be on that list, but he doesn't really fly under the radar. I think everyone knows he was a, a great number two in, in Nashville, but Mikey Anderson for sure would be on that list. He You know, he's just one of those guys that efficiently gets the job done. Um, you know, I, I never, you know, I mean, it's not Nic- Nicholas Lidstrom, but, but you know, when you think about the things that Nicholas Lidstrom brought to the mix to become one of the greatest players of of all time, it was those understated things, just being in the right position, and just making it look effortless, right? Yeah. That's hard yeah. to do. It's hard to make it look effortless. Yeah. but you can. T- but the really, the really efficient players are the ones that that make it look effortless. Just knowing you need to be here rather than there, and yeah. and that that's that that's my impression of uh, of Mikey Anderson. At some point, I'll probably write about him. But uh, um, but the, you know, they they have a a mature team, and uh, and 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 I think the goaltender has fit in very well. That was another conversation I had with uh, with the coach there, Todd McClellan, because. Todd's been around forever, too. And I said, you know, the, you know yourself, the long history of National Hockey League trades is that there's very few times when a team has traded for a goalie mm-hmm. at or near the deadline, grafted him onto the roster, and had it worked out. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, in your experience, you know, has that ever happened? And, and he, was, he said, well, not in my NHL experience. And he suggested that the closest that, that ever happened was when... Uh, Detroit had Dominic Hashek that year that they won, I think in 2008, but Hasek got hurt and they ended up having to rely on Chris Osgood and Osgood came through for them too. And, and his point was that you, you often need to, and he he is, whenever people ask about Corpus Allo, he always brings up Phoenix Copley okay. as a guy that helped save their season because they weren't getting it done from, from the other two guys that they started the year with. So, so, uh, but Corpus Allo, you know, he, he's a, a confident guy. Um, and, and, you know, has played for a really bad team for a long period of time. And sometimes guys are just, you know, good, bad team goalies. Yep. And they go to a good team and they can't get it done. But yep. Corpusalo looks like a guy who's really enjoying playing for a, a team with structure. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and and I wouldn't be... You don't surprised. say. Well, if you're a goaltender, you probably yeah. do like structure in front of you. Look at what Carolina has... has and, and how Carolina has turned you know, sometimes average goaltending into wins in the standings and and very good numbers for the various goaltenders that have patrolled the the crease there. So, you know, I I mean, that's an off-season question, but Corpus Allo is UFA after this year. LA needs a new number one goaltender. You know, if this works out, you know, and and they can figure out the, the numbers, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if he becomes the goaltender of the future for this next generation of Kings players that are coming through the The pipeline.
2: I want to skip over to the east for a second and come back to the west. And the reason I want to go to the east, I started the show with this. It's it's easy in this job to get caught up in tropes and, you know, history and this happened. So that must happen. But boy, that rangers jersey series sure looks like one team needs to learn how to lose and one team took the lessons from losing and and fixed their problems
4: yeah 100 percent, robin and when i did my preview for the athletic um i you know i i do a thing where i i interview a a coach a a manager and and a scout and just get their takes on things and uh and in every one of those interviews that i did that that was my starting point when it came to the new jersey rangers series it might The thrust of my question was that, you know, the Rangers last year were that young up-and-coming team that had made those great strides Mm -hmm. and didn't seem ready to win. And to be honest with you, I thought they were going out in the first round. And so the fact that they won as much as they did last year surprised me. Sure. So, you know, give them credit because... But that that was goalie
2: too, though, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
4: But I was not expecting to see them do as well as they did last year. But but yes, so they did gain a lot of valuable experience last year. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they added Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko. What they needed, right? So you've got, you know, you've got experience, like playoff experience. Experience, championship experience, you know, guys who, you know, uh, Patrick Kane has said it multiple times in the last little while as he's been interviewed, that, you know, he's been kind of re- rejuvenated by mm-hmm. by going to a team that had a chance to win after, you know, muddling through the, you know, those lean years in Chicago the, the last little while. And and uh, just in the same way, New Jersey went uh, 47 point year over year increase. You you have to applaud every, sure, everything that, that went right there. They got the right goaltender. You know, Washington cast off two goaltenders both of them are still playing Washington isn't playing um you know Dougie Hamilton had a poor year last year but he had a much better year yeah. this year so you know the money they invested in him as a free agent has is proving to now be 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 worth it you know they went out and very aggressively brought in Timo Meyer because they they were small and they felt that they needed you know, someone who has skill but also has some size and 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 can push back a little hasn't. I don't think been quite the the marriage made in heaven yet. Mm. Uh, it's been a little bit more of a, an adjustment for him than than I think um, maybe he and the team thought. But but they they have a, a really good team that looks young, yeah, and and needs to to gain a little bit of experience and are, are probably doing it right now. So in my mind you know, the Rangers are going to get through fairly easily. And I thought that ahead of time, but my two of my three experts picked New Jersey. And, and I thought, wow, okay, I didn't see that coming. You know, yeah, yeah. a lot of times you you, yeah. know, you ask the question and you're pretty sure you know what the answer is going to be. And in that particular case, I was surprised that there, there did seem to be a lot of... Um, people that thought that New Jersey would use this regular season as a springboard into the playoffs, the, the, the idea that they're playing with house money, right. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. they have got nothing to lose and, you know, we're young and we're enthusiastic, you know, it's like the Oilers of 83, I guess the last yep. year, you know, when they kind of broke through, but, but before they ever won anything. And uh, so we'll see, I, I mean, you know, this, uh, the, you know, the, the, the series, you know, it, you know, when you think about travel, <laughs> <laughs> there's know, none. I mean, there's there is sometimes traffic on the turnpike. Yeah, there might know? be traffic. Yeah. So that, but that's about it. Yeah. It's <laughs> so I don't think uh, either team is going to expend a lot of
2: energy getting from <laughs> point A to point B. point A to point B. Yeah. So take me back to the West. If I thought somebody in the West was going to have their doors blown off, I thought it was Seattle. Mm-hmm, yeah. But you mentioned Gordy. Now there's a lot of pressure now being an expansion team after the Vegas Golden Knights, right? Mm-hmm. Now the Seattle makes it in their second year. They played well in those first two games against really well Colorado, really well, and they could have won them both, right? Yeah. So again,
4: those are the two series I've been following: at Los Angeles and Edmonton and Seattle and 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 Colorado. So I think Seattle completely caught Colorado by surprise in 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 that first game, and then you know the first period didn't look particularly. Good for For Colorado, and then they got the two quick goals, but then it was a, it was a battle right right to the end and uh, So I think you know Colorado would, i mean they started to play a bit more freely after they they tied the game and and I think that they will relax a little bit to going into game three but but yeah so again, one of the columns, the column I wrote today um, looked at ice time there and and there 's the big difference as near as I can see Seattle plays the heck out of Larson. Yep, and um, <clears throat> uh, I lost my train of thought. Larson and Dunn, Dunn. Yeah, yeah, so but, uh, Larson yes. and Dunn play twenty four minutes. Tonight. Yeah. Okay. So they, but but their forward group, they only had two forwards over nineteen minutes. That was Wenberg and Schwartz, who's also a Stanley Cup champion. Yep. And uh, you know, and, and they roll the four lines, and, and and everybody gives them a little bit of something, and uh, and then you look at Colorado's. Uh, make up up front. So five guys over 19 minutes. McKinnon over 22. They have to play... JT Comfort played 21-plus minutes the, the other night. They just do not have the depth. Six of their forwards played under 10 minutes. Yeah. So they're really relying heavily on the top six, and they're just trying to get by with the bottom six. And, th- and that's a function of Gabe Landis not being healthy enough I, to play, yeah, and, and Kadri, Kadri leaving. Yeah. You know, Burakovsky's in Seattle now. Not, uh, not, so the depth that they had isn't there. It doesn't mean they can't win, because because McKinnon is just driving play, and, and Rantanen has been okay, but he's capable of taking it to another level. Um, but but the, the one thing that Seattle has that, that uh, Colorado doesn't is depth up front. Mm-hmm. And boy, uh, one injury to one of those key guys up front, and, and Colorado is going to be thin, thin, thin.
2: So I, I, that series feels like it's, it's going to go for a while. Um, you know, it, we could obviously go through all of them. I do want to move to the locals here in a bit, but um, any of the other series, anything, anybody? Catching your eyes in any of the other series, I mean, it's two games. That, that's the part yeah. of this too. Like you know, the panic in Toronto well, after the first game, and yeah. you know,
4: well, yeah. So I was thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we we do a thing called the concernometer and the panicometer, <laughs> and you know, all that kind of sure. Stuff. sure. That, that, I mean, it's fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. But 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 in in all honesty, you know, the, the you you saw this in 2019. You know, Tampa was out in four games. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, like you can go from concern to panic very very quickly and 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 you're not wrong right you know like you you know New Jersey after this unbelievable regular season could be doing you know a locker cleanout in in you know 96 hours and it's like what just happened right so uh so uh, yeah I I mean I, I'm entertained by the Florida Boston series right? I am too okay, yeah so it, it, yeah. you know it, that that's the one that um Partly because, again, you're breaking this thing down. And so you sit there and you spend 10 minutes looking at the stats and and, and considering all of uh, the options. And, and and I do like to to look at what happened a year ago, especially if the teams are fundamentally the same teams, right? So a year ago, going into the playoffs, Florida was the president's trophy winners and the Boston Bruins were the wildcard team. And so then you look at the teams and you say, okay, are they fundamentally different? Well, yeah, Matthew Kachuk, changes the you know mm-hmm. the, the picture in, in Florida but but he's an elite player and, and Huberto was an elite player you know and it's still important to have Barkov there and it's still important to have, and yep. important to have Montour and, and Ekblad on 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 the blue line and they you know they relied on Bobrovsky last year and they're going with it, that youngster Al- Alex Lyon this year so it's it's a little bit different and in Boston similarly they have Krejci they didn't have him last year um but you know to me it wasn't going to be a coronation and I remember writing that it's it's not a coronation and the history of of the National Hockey League is that these teams that go wire to wire like like Boston does you they use a lot of energy to get there you know it's just hard to maintain that consistent high level from the start of the year to the finish and eventually you know you have a little bit of a a lull or whatever and and you know, and I think that that could be happening with Boston. But the other factor in Boston is you take Bergeron out of that lineup, and everything that just clicked into place. Mm-hmm. Right there's your first line. There's your second line. Yeah. There's your third line. Here's your support guy. It it, it on paper when Bergeron is at one C, everything else flows naturally. You take one C out of there and, and it's like, yep. like nothing fits. It's, it's like one of those, you know, puzzles. You know, like yep. all of a sudden you can't make those things fit properly. So, you know, and, and how, how much time is he going to miss? Hard to mm-hmm. say. Uh, but but I, I thought that Florida was a team that, underperformed this year and is better than they are. And probably Boston is a team that overperformed and maybe isn't as good as 65 wins in 82 games implied. So I thought that was going to be an interesting series. Uh, My panel, every one of them said, you know, Florida is dangerous. None of them had the courage to to pick pick Florida. And guess what? I wouldn't have either. But, but I, I thought they had a puncher's chance and, uh, and so far they've
2: shown that they do. They're not scared. No, they're they're not scared. And, and it's, you know, Good for Calgary fans if you want to watch. It might give you a little bit of flashback. But, you know, young Ryan Lomberg. Oh, yeah. Or I guess he's not young anymore. But Ryan Lomberg, you know, that's why you bring these kids along. And, and, you know, eh, maybe you shouldn't choke the other guy, but... (laughs) <laughs> he, he got under their skin. He's a he, catalyst. He's a catalyst. He's right? a catalyst.
4: Yeah. And Sam Bennett. I mean, what you know that, that has anyone mentioned playoff Sam Bennett
2: on uh, on the air here in Calgary in the last? Wow. Well, no, that's probably not. No. I, <laughs>
4: yeah,
2: I just the only thing I want to say about that is you probably don't remember it, but every time you did Bob podcast podcast, I text you because it frustrates me because they never listen to you. They <laughs> they talk over you. Uh-huh. And Bob was doing his whole rant about there's nobody out there, and you brought Sam Bennett up. Sam Bennett could be. <laughs> This is the Sam Bennett mm-hmm. that everybody likes. This mm-hmm. is the Sam Bennett that the teams want. This yeah. is the Sam Bennett that's a difference maker. Yeah, and the boy was
4: good in game two. So yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. When I see him play like that, I'm sure, you know, we're, we just comment on it. You know, can you imagine if you're his employer, you know, and, and, and you see what you can get from him in, in selective situations, and you think, if only we could get that out of him more consistently yep. what, what I mean he was picked behind Drysdale, one player behind Leon Drysdale in in the draft and I think that there is there is so much more to him there but the only thing that's lacking and has been lacking all the way along is consistency and 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 you know at this stage of the game are you going to get it Uh, Maybe not, but I will tell you this. If you're a team that that consistently feels it's going to be in the playoffs, to have someone that can raise the level of his game Mm -hmm. when it gets to the
2: playoffs is a nice luxury to have. I've always wondered about Sam Bennett, that if he wasn't a little bit of a victim of Bob Hartley's promotion machine. Mm -hmm. Because when Bob Hartley was coaching this team, there wasn't a lot going on real good, and you're trying to distract people. So can't wait to get Sam Bennett back. Oh, Sam Bennett looks good. Mm -hmm. Like he was – very rarely does a coach – pump the tires of a young player like bob hartley did right mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean that's a good point I, I i don't know you know
4: to me development can be so um, yeah. uh, inconsistent and you know you have these little plateaus and then dips and plateaus and dips and then eventually you know you either figure out the consistency of being an nhl player 82 games a year which is hard to do but the really good ones will give you 65 to 70 yep and if you can get that out of out of most of your team then and and you're a good team you'll you'll be in the playoffs and that and and but you see it the other way too you see players that that tease you with their ability and and there are times when they'll show you in a game or in a stretch uh that they have above nhl level skill and then all of a sudden you know like you don't notice them for two weeks and and that that you know, eventually you have to make an evaluation and, you know, maybe, maybe somebody else needs to try and find the buttons on that player. Cause you can't push the right ones.
2: Monday, uh, something happened, uh, that has not happened in the history of the Calgary flames before As Peter Marr pointed out a general manager with offers to stay walked away from this team. Mm-hmm. Um, waited a couple hours, went to the athletic, you wrote it. I read it. The whole thing sat back in my chair, took a deep sigh and said, I'm not insane. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I see this exactly the same way. Can I ask you this? Were you surprised by what happened on Monday? Well, I'm surprised. Uh, no, no. Um,
4: because it, I, if it had gone the other way, I, I wouldn't have been surprised at that either. I right. I think that I, I think you know. Again, first of all, the, the first clue is that, it, and it's, it was widely reported that he had Brad Tree Living had an opportunity to to sign an extension last summer and chose not to. And, and the idea was that let's see how this year goes, and, and let's let's see where things are at and then i think that uh you know that you know that that there was a lot of um you know what do i want to do next Mm -hmm. uh involved in in this decision and and I, i think that people have to have to understand that that you know, people in in positions of prominence like Brad Living are no different th- than you and I, right? Nope. You get to a crossroads in your life, like I, I'm approaching one myself. Sure. Like, what do I do this summer? Do I retire? Do I stay on? I, I go back and forth. I, I change my mind every 24 hours. I don't know. I, I I'm genuinely unsure right. about what my professional future is. And and I think that that was probably the case for for Brad. You know, he has first of all, he has opportunities outside of hockey if he wants them. I think he. Ideally, would like to work in hockey again. I think that he, you know, I think he's just he, he works so hard, puts mm-hmm. in so many hours. He just struck me as someone that was verging on burning out, and and that's certainly you know the the messaging from his very good friend Don Maloney, who's taking over as president of, of, of hockey operations, that that he just needs a break. And I understand that it, you know, especially when you think about the way the NHL season is structured. The one person who one in in the, one of those managerial seats that wasn't able to take a, a breath this summer was yeah. Brad living yeah. because of all of the. That's right. you know, the, the, There was the Gaudreau drama, and then there was the Kachuk drama, and there was trying to sort out the, you know, the, the trade, and then there was you know the recruiting of, of Nazem Kadri and then all of a sudden they're at, at training camp, and now you're you know you're waiting for the, the the puck to, to drop at the start of the season. So it it takes it a, a toll on on people, and uh, and at some point I'm sure you know Brad will emerge and and, and give us his version of. Of of why he chose to do what he did but you know like i you know i'm texted with him but but i'm leaving him alone to Mm -hmm. to just you know to sort out what what he wants to do next because i think that's what he needs to do he needs to just to exhale a little bit and and go from there and then but then so that's that part of the equation then the second part of the equation is so, so now a very interesting job has opened up in the National Hockey League. And, and uh, it didn't surprise me when Don Maloney revealed at that first press conference that he was hearing from people that he hadn't heard from in 15 years. Because it is, it, it, I, like this, believe it or not, this is a very attractive position. It's a hockey team. If you're, if you're looking to become a general manager in the National Hockey League, it's hard sometimes to take over a team that has had a really great year and then, you know, where are you going to go? The only place you can go is down. I think the perception around the National Hockey League is that the Flames have a a, a, a quite a good team that underperformed, yep. and that no matter what happens next year, it's going to be better. So that's a, that's an enviable position to be in. You know, you're starting as a non-playoff team, albeit the, you know, the non-playoff team with the best record and, and you have these pieces and, and there is a, a, a potentially a path forward to, to be very good. Now, you know, that path forward, I think begin, you know, you have to decide what you're going to do with your coach, which is critical. I think if you are hiring a general manager, and if the decision is that we are retaining our coach, then... Then the manager coming in has to know that that you know he doesn't have completely free reign because he has to find a way of working with with with, with Daryl Sutter. If mm-hmm. the decision is made to move on from the coach, that gives the, uh, any manager coming in a bit more uh, flexibility to to uh, chart a path going forward. And then as a manager going forward, obviously the first thing you need to do is at least get a sense from the players that are one year out from from UFA about what what would. What, why would they stay in Calgary? Like yeah. what, what, if you're Elias Lindholm, what will it take to, to get you to stay? If you're Mikhail Backlund, what will it take? If you're Noah Hanifin, what will it take? And, and I'm sure the answer f- through their representative is, is going to be, well, I, I want to see where things go. I, w- I want to see who's, who's the coach. I want to see who are my teammates. Do we have a chance to win? If you can put together a roster that, that, that has a chance to, to be competitive um, – Potentially mirrors the you know, 111 point team that they had two years ago. Then, then I think that that will entice players to stay. Let's face it; when you get to a certain point in your career, the money's probably going to be there. So, yep. so now you yep. know you have a chan- you have a chance and a and the choice to to make the decisions about your future based on family and lifestyle and and the opportunity to to, to win a Stanley Cup. And so, um, you know, as as attractive as that job is, I, I think you really have to have. A special set of, of skills to be able to do it, I think you have to be a people person, I think you have to have leadership skills. I think you have to create um, an, a, you know an, an environment that that makes you know that, that makes the you know the players and then everybody involved in the organization feel included feel like they have to the say like you, you want to have the ability to get out of bed in the morning and want to go to work. you yeah. just want to go to work yeah. and and that's why I think again no one's asked me although I always volunteer my opinion anyway. <laughs> I think Craig Conroy's the perfect guy. Yeah. You know, I mean we've known him forever. Yeah. I think he's checked every box. You know, he was a popular teammate and he demonstrated great leadership during all those years that they had you know average teams with Jerome McGinley and Mika Kippersov, but he was he and Martin Jellino were important parts mm-hmm. on the ice off the ice like they just they just helped it they, they were like you know lubricating oil they just helped the parts run more smoothly and then the other thing I like about Craig Conner is I think he's a hard worker and I think he's 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 he's, he's climbed every rung of the ladder the only thing that drives me crazy and this isn't just in pro sports but in life is that once sometimes you know people just you know jump you know and and you know from here to there yeah they don't climb those rungs and they yep. don't get the necessary experience so they're not in the college rinks and they're not in in, in the junior rinks and they're not at in Russia at the international tournaments uh, scouting players they're just you know like here's a really smart guy let's give or you know give him uh, the chance and and I think that Craig has put in his time i think he's smart i think he would he be, would be a great leader i, I mean I, you know I, I understand the idea that you cast your net further afield because you don't want to miss anybody mm-hmm. but i also hope that they don't overlook this very strong candidate in in their own backyard who understands you know the nuances and the ins and outs of the organization and i think is waiting for an opportunity and i'll i'll, I'll just share one more thought to you so when, when Calgary first arrived here in 80, 81, general manager was Cliff Fletcher. The assistant general manager was David Poyle. I got to know David a little bit because yeah. he'd just sidle up to you in the press box and you'd tease each other back and forth. But when he got the, hired, uh, the job in Washington, I thought to myself, I don't know, you know, like, I don't know. I, I thought by, after two years I knew David pretty well, but, you know, Cliff had this personality and charisma and he was part of that, you know, uh, generation of general managers like Lou Nanny and, yep. and Bill Torrey that, that just, you know, were, were kind of larger than life and were really running the National Hockey League. And David was more thoughtful and kind of quiet and I thought, you know, like... I, I don't know. Does he have the leadership skills to do it? And then he went into Washington and two weeks later he, you know, he he makes this fabulous trade with the Montreal Canadians that effectively turned the franchise around. And it's like, okay, I guess he does, you know. And then so I, I see a lot of similarities. You know, I just see a lot of the the qualities that Craig Conroy have, has has in, in in David Poyle, who's I think what, he's won more games than any other general manager in the history of the game. So um yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I guess if, if, if I were to hold up a sign, it would be, vote for Craig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, and, and I'm, I'm the same way. I went as far on Wednesdays, and even today, I said it. Like I, don't ask me if Craig Conroy is, is right for the Flames. Ask me if the Flames are right for Craig Conroy. Yeah, that could be. You know, yeah. um, but yeah. it, it's also something that you mentioned in your column that has been mentioned more than I remember any other time that I've been covering this team. And that's the influence of ownership. Yeah right and that's another question which which is a question because we don't hear from murray right they don't talk and it's not new that's that's nothing new that's just the way they operate but we don't know his his influence in all of this right no
4: no no i mean way back in the day when i was still covering the team for the for the herald murray and i would have lunch you know once a year and and uh and you know and, and it would always be the same like he would be peppering me with questions for for most of an hour and then I would try to edge something in there and he wouldn't tell me anything because that was just that's just the way he operated and uh you know then I sort of drifted out of covering the team day to day and we stopped doing that and uh and then he became more influential in in, in the ownership group uh um I do remember him having a con- I I know because I've heard it from his uh, you know from him that he Considered, and this was before they brought Daryl back. You know, Daryl Sutter to be the best coach that they've ever had yep. in the history of the organization, and and I do think that uh, you know, like like Daryl demands a lot yep. in, from his players, and and that's how Murray runs his businesses. He demands a lot from his uh, from his. From his people, and so I think that you know Murray sees a kindred spirit in 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 daryl sutter and and I think that 's why we can't answer these questions until we get a sense of of you know like it feels like the owner is on side with the coach and and that the coach has a two year contract and and he's just going to you know he's just going to stay on and, and continue to coach the team, but if that 's the case, then a whole lot of other decisions might you know have to go in a different direction mm-hmm. because not everyone is going to necessarily want to come back and and and, and play for that coach so um so yeah it, it's it's difficult i the, the other thing I would say is that it's really hard to change right so so you know when you think about and then i i'm I'm as guilty of this as anybody but but we always evaluate on the basis of of championships so that's yep. the only thing that matters even yep. the teams that get to the stanley cup final if you don't win you know like do you, do you know uh, who remembers you know like what year was it that san jose got to the final exactly. you know like, yeah, what no, year was it nashville. that nashville yeah. got to the final yep. i mean you yep. you know like it gets blurred very quickly in history and so you know when i started covering the national hockey league there were 21 teams 16 of them made the playoffs you know making the playoffs was considered a successful season. And, mm-hmm. and once in a while, some of those really lousy teams would upset somebody along the way and, and suddenly they're in the, in, the, yep. in the... So now it's a 32-team league. Sixteen teams miss the playoffs. It's hard to make the playoffs. Good teams miss the playoffs, and so, but if, if it almost feels as if the model has to change. That the if you if if the only thing that matters is winning a Stanley Cup championship, you know, do you need to have the ebb and flow of professional sport where you you know you you accept that you're going to be pretty terrible for a couple of years mm-hmm. and because you're pretty terrible for a couple of years you get good young players hopefully in, in into the system that can make a difference and then you start to build up and then you supplement those players with with more experienced players and then you reach a a, a point where for a five to seven year period you have a chance to compete maybe you win maybe you don't but then at, at that point you just can't keep hoping to turn seven years into 10 years and 10 years into 12 and 12 into 15 it, it happened in the past because there were fewer teams yeah but it's just Harder to do right now, you know. I always say, you know, do the math, you know, 32 teams, 100 years in a century, so three championships per century, right? Yeah, mm, not a lot. And so, uh, and yet, you know, the the philosophy here has been, you know, yeah, we're we, we have a chance, you know, and, and we've got a good group, and so we're not taking a step back, we're going to patch and plug, and and you know, in patching and plugging, you know. Recently, anyway, hasn't worked as as a methodology for for winning championships. You know, Pittsburgh wins. Oh, Sidney Crosby. Uh, Washington wins. Oh, Alex Ovechkin. Right. You know, Tampa wins. Oh, Nikita Kucherov. You know, yep. and if Edmonton wins this year, oh, Connor McDavid. Yep. Toronto, Austin Matthews. I mean, you know, the Calgary's got lots and lots of good players, but there isn't anyone that that you know that jumps off the page. And and last year they had two that were you know close yep very and close Goudreau, yep. and and they're not here anymore no. so and and you know like yeah anyway so it it's 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 a challenge and and I don't pretend to have the answers because because it, you know it, it's it's so complex and and, and complicated and, and but I don't see how you can change the expectations of fans i mean fans want to, you know they to, want to win they they want Stanley Cup parades yeah. and so you know if the goal and, and again you know John Bean and, and, and Don Maloney on Monday the goal is to win a Stanley Cup championship well if the goal is to win a Stanley Cup championship and I put it this way I, I wouldn't you know at this stage of the game with the money that you've got committed to Huberto uh, I, I would try and give this group one one more year just to oh, see yeah. where where you're at but at some point soon you, you may have to make the, the decision that, uh, that it didn't work out with, with with this group and and you have to, you know, make a, make a turn. And uh, um, I don't think you're going to see it, you know, between now and June of 2024, but at some point soon after that, depending again on the result of the 2023, 24 season, um, you might have to, you know, have that organizational day of reckoning that they've been putting off for a long time.
2: Never drafted higher than fourth.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Sam Bennett (laughs) (laughs) and Corey Stillman, right? Yeah. Uh, wasn't uh, yeah yeah, uh, I, but it's Stillman. up that vintage. Yes, exactly. I'm just going off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah, right? I
2: thought Stillman was a sixth, but you know what, Rob? I'm not remembering no, things but, as
4: clearly as I once did. <laughs> no,
2: but have never drafted first. You know, and and, and yeah. this is not a shot at Edmonton. But I guess it is, but four Go four first overalls in six years. Yeah, right in the, in the lottery system. Yeah, uh, and, and if you know, and I, again, the only thing that I really cringe at because a lot of this stuff that was said. On Monday was said by Jay Feaster before. Mm-hmm. Like people are reporting this as this is some sort of mm-hmm. revelation. But remember, Feaster the year after they uh, uh, traded Ginlan Bolmeister, he was on TSN saying, "My job is to get this team in the playoffs," mm-hmm. and they got a lot of heat for that. But mm-hmm. I'm not allowed to say the R word. Mm-hmm. I'm not allowed to say rebuild. Mm-hmm. Oh crap! Let's you know that that crap just drives me around the bend. People are not people are pretty smart, savvy, right? You can't. That, that reminds me a bit of, well, we won't show home games on TV because nobody will come. Mm.
4: Well, I, 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 I agree with you because I, I do think that, I mean, hockey fans in, in Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Vancouver, Toronto, Ottawa are pretty sophisticated. Most people grew up playing the game or watching yep. the game or having something to do with the game. Or if they weren't doing it, somebody in the family was. And they right. had to, They got, kind of got drawn in. So So you might be able to pull the wool over people's eyes in in maybe less sophisticated
2: markets but it's hard to do in canada i agree last one before i go um just a thought uh, and i mentioned it as you came in he's now the mvp the last four years he has been the top goalie in two different leagues every year i'm not sure what is left for 22 year old dustin wolf uh who got a little taste at the end um but man, I don't. I, you've covered this team. I've covered this team. There's. I don't remember a prospect for the Flames having kind of this much acclaim in his first two years in in the AHL. Not in the AHL. No, I was thinking
4: Mike Vernon. You know the way his junior career evolved, right? Uh, you know, and I covered him in junior. <laughs> but but I, I thought that when he got his chance, he he would be a good goaltender. Sure. I I, I you know I I think. I can produce articles to 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 prove that that, yep. that I was a big proponent of of Mike Vernon coming through the ranks. Um but you're right other than other than Vernon uh if you think about somebody that they drafted and developed internally they've tried uh, you mm-hmm. know a, a lot of times uh but really the the other you know goaltender that made a huge impact here was was Kiprasov yep. who they traded for yep. and so you're right um it it's it's hard to draft and develop goaltenders you know like Carey Price was a high draft choice ended up with a having a great career Marc-Andre Fleury a high draft choice ended up having a great career if you can steal a guy in the seventh round and, <laughs> yeah. and then have him be it you know like in, in this year, very short period of time yeah. uh, you know a guy that appears to be on the cusp of being ready to play in the National Hockey League then then you know again good on on the on the scouting staff for doing that um but i yeah I, I agree with you well there were times this season and i'm sure this this has come up on talk radio and on your show too that at, you know when when markstrom was struggling yep. why not yep why not try dustin wolf i mean where's the dressing room like it's yeah i know it, it's yeah, you know like yeah. it, it's not like you're flying him in from stockton anymore he's right here yeah. Yeah. and it looks like you need a boost but the, but again that comes down to an organizational philosophy you know and you know the flames their season is on the line they can't win the game in overtime. They can't win it in the shootout. They have good players, but they don't have a Trevor Zegress They don't have, you know, the, these the, the two that they had were in the press box, right? You know, yep. Jacob Pelche yep. and, and Matt Coronado were watching the game. There's a reason teams put young talent in, in the lineup. Again, it's a different era, right? It's it a is different a different era. era. You know, in the old days of ties, it didn't matter no. you know in in the old days of five on, on five overtime it didn't matter but now it's three on three overtime now yep. there's a shootout there yep. are points to be gained if you can excel in those uh, in those situations and when when you don't excel in those situations and and then you you you, know, you look at the shootout record of of the veteran players you know i mean rob i'm watching the thing and i'm thinking they're just going to shoot it right in the pads of the goaltender yep. you know that, that, that's mm-hmm. you know like yep. there, there's no you don't have any confidence that that, that puck is going to go in and you're going to see a little bit of razzle and dazzle that it fools a goaltender and and so you know again some of like I'm often accused of being stuck in in the old ways but the one thing that I do recognize is that there is a, a place for young talent in the lineup all the time because they grew up on shootouts they grew up on three on three overtime it's not new to them they embrace it there's a confidence (laughs) bordering on cockiness for these guys that even when they're very new in in the national hockey league well you see who did nashville trot out you know these these (laughs) (laughs) are all all first years yeah Yeah. they they were all guys that they brought up from the minors because they traded away half their team and the other half was injured and and they got the job done and so you know, is it second guessing? I mean, I'm watching the thing and I'm thinking this isn't going to work out. I, I don't think it is second guessing. So, no. so you have to have show a willingness to, when a player appears to be ready, sometimes you know, and they, they they probably take their lumps in the first little while, and and you just have to to live with that. You just yep. have to take live with the fact that a young player. You know, especially, you know, players who are drafted, you know, later in the first round that aren't going to Connor McDavid you Mm -hmm. or or whatever. You know, it it takes it'll take time. But if you have faith in your scouting staff, if you have faith in enough in in these players to, to sign them, you have to have faith enough to use them.
2: Appreciate this. Uh, when next we speak, I believe you're back on the road again in a couple weeks. It's aren't
4: hard you? to say. Yeah, probably. I, I, I can't even keep track anymore, Rob. I, I, you know what? Honestly, this is terrible. I go day by day. Yeah, I, I, I look yeah. at today's schedule. Okay, I'm doing Rob's podcast. <laughs> I'm doing John Shannon's. I've got my notebook due. I've got to watch the games tonight. What's, that's today. And Are then, you uh, on Bob
2: McAllen's podcast? You bet. So yeah. when I go home for my run tonight, I'm listening to you. you you'll have to. But you'll Is also, there new material? You, no. <laughs> I, I, I save my A material for you. <laughs>
0: oh wow! Oh, going out say okay.
4: Perfect. No, no. For some reason, they've they've settled on Burnside and I as a as a as a as a hockey you
2: know yeah w- duo
4: yeah, yeah I guess so. Uh, um, I, I actually wish they'd uh, they'd use Morganti, but I guess because uh, because Bob at Morganti and I used to be on McCann's show on, when it was on the radio, and and that was really a lot of fun. So, uh, but I like working with Scotty too. We worked together at the Athletic, and he's a good friend and. Uh, um, and the the beauty of it, of course, is that John Shannon really knows the game, and and Bob, you know, you know yeah, <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll throw something out just to get our backs up, and then you know we'll seize on it like you know like, <laughs> and it'll work, and and
2: you know half an hour later, you, you know, the old why don't goalies play eighty two games well, the argument that, that one didn't come up today. <laughs> no, <so>. Okay, good. <laughs> uh Anyway, thank you for doing this. Okay, uh, we'll pleasure. see you in a couple weeks. All right, great. Thanks, Rob Eric DeHatchik from the Athletic. Joining us, of course, our guest brought to you by Ski Cellar Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com, 76 years in Calgary. Sure, but what you need to know is surprise, spring pop-up sale tomorrow, 40% off of everything from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., one day only, one day only, all three locations, 17th Avenue Southwest, just off of 14th Street, McLeod Trail by Chinook Center, and Bow Ridge Road Northwest by McDonald's at the uh, bottom of the hill by Windsport. there, Ski Cellar Snowboard. Dot com. Just a final thought here in the final mile. Uh, again, you know my love of golf, uh, helping out a, a great cause. Uh, talked about this on Wednesday. If you're looking for something to do in August, uh, tee it up for pets. Uh, supporting uh, Parachutes for Pets, which is a great organization. Uh, they've got a golf tournament coming up out in Speargrass. Would love to see you there. I'm going to be there. Um, looking forward to it. Look them up. Find out what they're all about and then make your decision. But if you're a golfer, this is one you shouldn't miss. Uh, It's been a busy week. Next week, holy cow, next week. Chevy and Nasty, both of them, in studio on Monday, as well as Ryan Pike. How about this on Wednesday? We found him. We got him out of the Witness Protection Program. Bruce Dobigan is going to be live in studio. Holy cow. We've got shows of plenty coming next week. Thanks to all of our guests uh, this week. Thanks to Gavin. Thanks to uh, Jack, our outstanding producer, Mark Prince. Thanks to you, as always. Uh, love, love getting the, the feedback and hearing from you guys. And uh, we'll do it again on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody.
0: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news: ad free listening is available on Amazon Music, where all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership.